like it's kind of kind of all too much and like yeah. Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I am your host, the Outlaw LA Red. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Harvey75. You can find the entire show on the Twit Machine and all social media at uh what MMM Show 75? Is that right, Byron? MMM Show 75 at symbol. Goes Are you still maintaining some of our social media accounts? Do you do that I'm still? Maintaining, do you work here still? I maintain Instagram. I'm not responsible for the DMs. I think me, um, uh, me flow DMs from the account. So if you get anything weird, I think everyone in the world is probably like, what the fuck is going on? Every week. There's just, there's a different compendium of, uh, individuals on this dais, this virtual dais of ours. Sounds like you guys are real on top of it. Yeah. Oh, Hey, look, there's Brandon. What's going oh, on? What's up, guys? How you doing? You're, you're live. Once last live. I saw you, you were rolling up into the bleachers. I think. What? Yeah. That finally aired. It finally aired. Finally talked about it. <laughs> uh, best, best cameo all season. We'll definitely get to that. Um, Byron, yeah. where can people find you? And where the hell were you last week? Last week, I was um, at the SVA Theater, I believe, in the West Village, listening and watching Patton Oswalt talk, uh, New Yorker Festival. Um, it went an hour longer than I was expecting. So wait, 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 wait. You skipped yeah. work for Patton Oswald? I thought it was a wrestling show or something. I was going to, uh, oh, no, 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 no. So during the show, I was seeing Patton Oswald, and that went an hour longer. I thought I was going to get out in time to do this. But um, also last week, I saw MLW tape, and that was a lot of fun. Got to see LA Park. I got to see Ijo del de LA Park. And I got to see uh, Marco Stunt, who's like a 12-year-old, who took um, a Doomsday Destroyer from Teddy Hart, who is amazing. I don't think his face ever changes, though. He has that, like, like Xanaxed out. Like, Was there any uh, cats in the stuff. ring? Because isn't uh, Teddy Hart really into cats? There no. were no cats, but Flying Brian, uh, his son wrestled with tights that were kind of cool. They had... Lots of family tributes. Like they had the four horsemen symbol and he had um, a sort of a cross on his tights with fallen members of the Heart Foundation on each um, arm of the cross. So he was being real light about the whole thing. Yeah. Well, he was like carrying, you know, I guess he wanted to bum everyone out. Oh, no. <laughs> no really? I was like, I always felt like Teddy Hart and uh, Space Cat Sammy Callahan should get together and uh, tear it up. He just gets, he gets fueled off the space cat, you know. He'd love it. The former trio. Yeah, <laughs> had a had a match, I think, against is it Jimmy Havoc? Havoc. I, I feel like Havoc and Jimmy Jacobs mixed I up. I feel like every day for Sammy Callahan is a match. Just every waking moment. Yeah. At least he the needs, past year it has been. That's for sure. Yeah. He has like a phlegm problem. Yeah, I've experienced it. I've watched oh. it out of my jeans. <laughs> Oh. I watched him do that miss, miss his hand and it landed in someone's pint in the first row. Oof. The crowd's head followed it as it flew through the air and landed in a drink. Meef, you went to some shows recently too. What did you go to since the last time we saw you? I, well, firstly, fuck you, Byron. <laughs> everyone starts that. Everyone starts their thoughts that way. And he left. See, you just oh, came away. <laughs> I am not seeing LA Park because the, that show got cancelled without, and they haven't actually said anything about it yet, other than me getting a fucking something? refund. 
Hold on, hold on. Well, I need to say something because this thing just came up on Impact we should talk about. Oh, something need happened to Impact? I turned it off. Should I be uh, watching maybe. Impact right now? No, I, I just I just wanted to get everyone's attention to say that Meef sucks and no one likes him. Hmm. And and also um I'm technically we should call out we should call out the, the weird naked doll in the back of the room that you know I think certain parts of that doll will be more worn down than other parts. Yeah. yeah. Does well, it have it is, a lower half? Or is the lower half I think it's being censored. Oh, 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 God, oh. Oh, stop. Oh, I don't want to see that. Look <laughs> at that huh? smile on Meep's face. Ooh, chocolate. Hmm. I still need to pick that thing up. So, yeah, I, I, I went to Fight Club Pro was the shows I went to in England, which is what um, Mustache Mountain, Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate, that kind of their home. Uh, like, I, I was just, Trent Seven actually owns part of the company, I think. Oh, but nice. I got to see Walter... In the same ring with Mako Satamura. So that was pretty cool. Does Walter uh, still have the title? Peter. Does Walter still have the PWG title? He does, doesn't he? That's the night. That's the yeah. one and only night I was there is when he won the title from what's his bucket? I never get to go to PWG. As everyone knows, the amount of shows that I've been to recently is this many. The amount of shows I've had tickets to go to is this many. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll go to a Tuesday's Impact taping together. If we'll I, see what happens. Again, I'm going to plan on it, and then um, I'm going to try to make it happen, and then, you know, work and life and shit will happen. It's amazing that we've gotten this show on the air the last few weeks. Um, and if you didn't watch yeah. last week, go back and uh, check it out because the champ, that's right, the current Lucha Underground champ was on – this show we've had champs in the past we've had uh, trios champ uh thunder rosa aka cobra moon on the show um but we've never I've had, had a champ on. i don't know if we've ever had a champ on this show while they were the reigning champ yeah of any kind so you have to go back and watch it um and and marty the moth does actually have the belt in his possession and uh, he showed it off a little bit last week. In fact, that was all he showed off because the rest of the time he stayed naked and in the dark, which is probably better for all of us. You know, I think Marty lives like 10 miles from me. Oh, yeah. You guys are both out there in uh, in, in the country there. Salt Lake. In that yeah. next time zone. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he required by law to tell you if he lives near you? But he's required by law to tell him if he's within, I think, 10 miles of his house. I think that's yeah. that whole Megan thing. Yeah. You, you, do, you do like the map of like, Predators around your neighborhood, and only Marty pops up a different color. It's, it's, it's the like, moth logo on the website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, was, I was I was actually just working with uh, Cobra Moon, so uh, Thunder Rosa, this past week, and she spoke very highly of you guys. Well, I was also supposed to be there, and uh, she may have spoken very highly of me to you, but she spoke very angrily to me directly because I was supposed to be at those tapings and didn't show up <laughs> it was a good time it was a it was an it was an interesting fun time now were you working those yeah i was shooting i was the main ringside camera for um uh women of wrestling wow yeah. it's like david mclean the guy that originally created co-created glow uh he's doing a new promotion for axis tv and uh yeah we did the 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 tapings this, earlier this week and see, and Jim was supposed to be here too to to give us a little preview of that because I gave Jim my tickets 
to go and him and Ron went and they were supposed to represent uh, MMM show there, which they did. They represented there, but then they were supposed to come here and tell us about said aforementioned representation and have failed to do so. But I also rescheduled the time of this episode like 17 times. So I guess yeah. it's on my, he was um, there. Paul, it's official. He was there. He was second row, just gleaming that Jimmy smile, you know, big wide eyes. There was ladies there, so he was on point. Wait, yeah. those tickets were second row? I thought Mc, I thought McLean said he was giving me good tickets. Those were only second row? I thought he would put me in the front row. You want second row because there's like this, there was a barrier in the front row and you could like barely look over. It was like this. So second oh, row. Oh, second row's better. Okay. Oh, there, oh I, there's a barrier. Wow. What? Well, how yeah. else is uh, production different? How's this production different? Yeah. So are you the only camera ringside camera? Well, for, for, first of all, for those who don't know, Brandon is a, a, a camera guy. He's in our industry and uh, yeah. he's also a huge wrestling fan, Portrait. but he, uh, he works on Lucha underground and he also worked on the contender, which we've talked about many times on this show. And now he's doing wow. Um, which I'm sure we will be talking about on this show very mm -hmm. often. So if you guys don't know who he is, Paul cross, by the way, in the chat says great guest. Um, and that's because any believer who was actually in the temple for the episode that just aired has a great appreciation for Brandon, which we will also talk about when we talk about the episode. Um, but yeah, so what was up with WoW? I'm, I'm curious, like, what, how's, how's WoW work? WoW was great. I mean, it hasn't aired, so I can't obviously say too much about it. But uh, it was, I'll tell you, every match and who won. <laughs> um, but it was great. It was Access TV, my first job with Access TV, but this will hopefully spiral into some New Japan gigs I was talking about. Um, and uh, it was just a whole different environment. All women, all ladies, um, of various different skill levels. And it's, it was a great time. And the David McLean's all, it seems like he's all about, you know, the characters and the gimmicks and, and the flash and um, certain people that were there that uh, RVD was in attendance. Scorpio Sky was in attendance. Um, Tyler Bateman was there. Awfully quiet in the crowd. Interesting. Tyler Tyler Bateman, he had his contacts in. He just kind of sat there the entire time like he was going to bomb the place. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was there. It was, it, was, it was amazing. It was a great spectacle down at the Blasco Theater. And um, I hope we do it again. Hope we do it again. Yeah, I, yeah I've heard get, different things that they may take. Well, go ahead, Brian. Get, just cut me off. It's fine. No, That's no, fine. This is you ready? Are you good? Over me all the time. If you get that new Japan gig, um, can you get me a job? Wait, stop. Wait, no, no. You interrupted me to put uh, yourself uh, over? Yes. Again? No, I'm no, oh, I I for a job. Jeez, I, I will, you, know, you know what, Byron? I will. I'll get you that job. But for oh, yeah. a calendar year, you yeah. have to wear that Pentagon mask behind you. Can I? But I have. I have. No, that one. That one. No, the bloody one. Mm, the bloody one. I can't one. talk about the bloody one. There's spoilers. I'll stop oh. it. That was from a house show. Whatever. <laughs> There's absolutely no secret to the fact that there is complete and utter carnage in the Ultima Lucha match between Marty and Pentagon. I don't even think Evie Dub himself would be mad about us saying that. This no. is why you should watch like Ultima Lucha 4. That's the Ultima Lucha 4 mask, yeah. right? Yeah. When he bought the mask, he told us all that that's what the mask was from. And I, was, I asked Marty Elias... Just after that match, that match, he's like, "Hey, see if uh, Pentagon wants to sell that mask. Just you know, let me know. You know, being real sly and cool about it." And I meet up with Byron afterwards. He's like, "Yeah, I yeah. offered him. I'm, I'm going to offer him money for it. I'm going to get it." 
<laughs> you got to move fast from Byron's in the house because Byron's only had a few tapings this year. And as soon as he saw that match, he was like, I want that one. But meanwhile, I had both of their blood on me. So I felt like yeah. I had a blood right passage for it, you know? And um, you had your own clothes. I had nothing. Well, I had my shoes that had the, their blood on them. Yeah. That you was a. Sell your clothes. Are you doing bad things in car parks, going Byron? Yeah. Hey, take it easy. I don't go camping, Meef. But but we also call them parking lots, Meef. Yeah. They're parking yeah. lots. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, um, we all know Jesus. Yeah. He didn't put the body in the boot. He put it in the trunk in the parking lot. Work with me here. The trunk in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. That's all a euphemism. <laughs> but a, tr a trunk's an object that you put things in your house and. So Meef, do, you, do, you drive, Meef, do you drive a car or do you drive a lorry? Oh. I don't drive anything because I can't fucking drive. I'm not old <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, clearly judging by that mustache, you are not old enough. That is, in fact... Hey, we've got the same facial hair. No, Mine is so much it. thicker. <laughs> They're kind of the same. There's no John Waters thing going on here. This is like <laughs> real, honest-to-God, grown man hair. There's gray hairs in here, Meef. I'm clearly an old man. No, Justin, you're using... Yeah, but I'm, not, I'm not pale and white. Uh, this looks quite like defined. It looks like you fell down in some pink flamingo poo. I mean, if it looks like you're doing the recording in like a meat locker, everything's very blue and hazy. He's in England, it's so that's uh, yeah. that's what Falmouth looks like. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, Falmouth. Ask, ask hey, me for what his sea. favorite dinner, uh, dessert is. What's me? Oh God, no, say yeah, it, man. It's not. Say it's not what Byron wants to say. say it. We know what it is. I know, can, I, can I can I guess? Yes. You can take us. Spotted dick. Yeah. Oh, the spotted <laughs> dick thing will continue. <laughs> you could have it's said Yorkshire pudding. You could have offered up oh, Yorkshire yeah. pudding, and that would have oh, been an acceptable oh. answer, Meef. But you chose to wait <laughs> it out and get spotted dick. I am from Yorkshire. I am actually from the the place of the pudding. Oh, but it's not a pudding about himself again. You can use it as a pudding. I'm going to put the pudding over, Byron. I'm going to put the pudding over <laughs> because it, it can be used in three different ways. You can have it. You know the last guy. Who, you know what happened to the last guy who kept okay, pudding, put pudding, pudding over. <laughs> put pudding <laughs> over. <laughs> the last guy to put pudding over. You know what happened to him? Same thing that's going to happen to you. But the thing is, is with it, you can you can you have it as a starter because that's what poor people did to keep them like filled up because went, it's quite a fatty, went, dodgy thing. Secondly, you have it with your main meal. But lastly, it's basically like a perfect roll. So when if you've got any left over at the end, you just put ice cream in that motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mr. Krabs. Hold on. I have to address Mr. Oh, Krabs. Mr. Yes. Krabs of course, I remember when Bill Belichick was the coach of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Before the Cleveland Browns left Cleveland to become the Purple Browns and win a Super Bowl in another city. I remember Bill Belichick as our coach. Bill Belichick probably doesn't remember being our coach and probably doesn't Krabs. want to. Has Krabs been released from prison then? Because he's not been here for a while. I is guess so. Is this a football podcast or is this a... No, it's not, which is why, it's, which is why Mr. Krabs is ridiculous. He's just we coming just into our, our wrestling and MMA-themed podcast and talking about football. So Krabs, Krabs is coming in hot. <laughs> anything with, anything with guys in tight pants we cover on this podcast. Unless you, you count hockey. So that's why I'm here. Yes, guys in tight pants. Yeah. Um, 
So I want to ask you about the contender too, because I haven't, uh, I'm, I haven't caught up yet, but I do have epics and I have it on demand. So I'm going to do um, a marathon at some point. But of course, I love Michael Moore, who is from Cleveland, and he has turned into quite possibly the year's best reality show villain, but without being villainized like most of our uh, shows do. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm just curious what you thought about the the experience over at The Contender, too, because it's it's a lot more of a, a real sports environment compared to a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of testosterone going around, and like... Uh, you have your, you have your guys that are quiet, you know, that are really reserved kind of honing their chi and you have guys that are just, you know, kind of loud mouths and, you know, guys like Michael Moore that kind of want to stir the shit a little bit. And that's how I think it's just a mental thing they get into and they're, they're loud and they just want to like get into you mentally. And Michael Moore was the, was the heel of contender. Yeah, he really uh, was, but it's also, it's kind of great too to, to, you know, especially for someone who watches wrestling all the time to see a heel, kind of just let it breathe where they didn't amp it up. They, there was, there's not extra OTFs and interviews to, to make it more salacious. Like mm-hmm. he, he does his little thing, but then you don't have like an interview piece with every guy commenting on his thing right. to make him seem even more evil. They just kind of let it breathe. And it's like, you make your own decision about Michael. Yeah. Like, yeah, he exactly. just said some shit. What do you think? You know? Yeah, exactly. And I, I kind of like that. And, uh, I've been really amazed with that show. And in fact, it's probably of, of any of the sports uh, reality shows, my favorite one of all time, including uh, tough enough and ultimate fighter and tap out and some of the ones I've even worked on myself, but I really am loving this. I think it's better than the other seasons of the contender. Yeah. I, I mean that um, I hold contender deep in my heart because it was my very first show in LA and uh, I had graduated film school in January. I did a Burnett show in January as well, my very first one, coming through Vegas called The Casino. And then like a month or two later, we started The Contender. Um, and I was there as an AC. So I did episode. I did um, seasons one, two, and three. Didn't do four because I was in Thailand. Um, and then we oh, just we did, the, we did the fifth one. Um, so I hold it real near and dear to my heart. Well, so... Uh, an answer if you want to answer, but well, how do you feel about the epics thing? Because I, I, I'm almost saddened by like I have epics and and I got it for the show, mm-hmm. and it's just like I want more people to be seeing this than are seeing it. But yet somehow you know Eric was able to pull in a lot of the old crew and get guys back, and you yeah. know, and and people were doing him favors to even just come back and work on the thing for a month or two, yeah. which is amazing to me because the the talent level of the 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 crew. I mean, all these guys have gone on to do bigger and better things everywhere. Mm-hmm. So bringing them back to to a show that's now even in a, on a smaller platform is amazing mm-hmm. to get those guys back. But I'm hoping that there's some plans. I know they released the first episode on YouTube, but that there's some plans for some other syndication or something where people at large who don't have epics get to finally see this show. I mean, it, it's, it's an amazing looking show. I mean, and I, I'm, I'm going to binge watch. I actually haven't watched any of it so far, but with on epics, like they don't bleep anything, do they? Or is it full go? Full, full go. Um, which I think is, I think is important for the grittiness of the environment and everything. I, I, I really think that on another network, they might censor these guys, but epics kind of let certain things go. Um, so yes, you have to pay a premium to see it, but it's, it's a very premium looking show. So 
Um, I hope syndication happens for it, and I hope it gets either picked up by Epix or another another market that is a little more expansive. Yeah, and uh, or, or the other option to me is that if Epix starts getting other boxing events somehow, I mean, it's a kind of it's a tough market out there, and a lot of people are ESPN and HBO and Showtime and all these places are doing boxing. But if Epix were to somehow really get into that arena, which I feel like might be part of the goal that then, you know, more boxing fans at least will be already at that destination and being able to check it out, especially if there's future seasons. And I can't see after how well this season is going, um, them not doing another one. Now, right. do you know anything about the finale? It's coming up in November, right? The finale is going to be live, isn't it? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be live. All the contender uh, finales have been live. Um, there's the undercard of guys that didn't make it to the top and then, then the final fight. But um, I don't know. I haven't talked to Eric about it. I don't know. Uh, if they're going to need my services, I don't even know where it's got to be in Vegas, right? Um, when I when I talked to Eric at the beginning of the filming of the Contender season, he said that they were going to do a live finale in Vegas, but he didn't know all the particulars yet. So who knows? Maybe they're putting it together as we speak. Mark Burnett will figure it out. Yeah, it was cool when I was at the very first taping too that Mark was actually there. Got to shake his hand and meet Mark for the first time, um, and I had never never seen him in person ever. And I've been to a lot of tapings of his shows, but he actually came out for that one. It was a special moment. I think, I think you're lucky. Cause I think it might be the only one he was at. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I came to that one and I came to a couple of the, uh, the quarterfinal matches, I think. Hmm, okay. Okay. Saying the tickets are on sale for it. Are you, you're looking what there's tickets on sale for it. All cross says there's tickets on sale. I'm oh, for the contender season. finale. Ooh, yeah. I better get one. That I would love to go to. Of course, it'll be something else that I buy a ticket to and then yeah. don't get to go. Of course. Yeah, but if you also get like a flight out from wherever you're supposed to be working, and then you yeah. still won't be able to take the flight. Speaking the of boxing. Yeah. Wilder, punch. The what? Deontay Wilder killed a mascot. Well, yeah, what's up with Deontay? <laughs> it's amazing. He punched and broke his yeah. jaw. What what is up with the, these fighters and their extraneous uh, violence? It's almost like they have aggression issues. <laughs> Maybe a few daddy issues here and there. Yeah, <clears throat> it was on some like Spanish-speaking TV show, right? Well, I mean, have oh, you there, seen yeah. the have you seen the mascot that he punched? I mean, it had a mustache I, like Meatloaf's. Yeah, that makes sense why he punched. Like, it. Wouldn't you punch it too? But like you, I, <laughs> it was nearly as white as me. <laughs> yeah, but it was wild. He, like, I guess he was gonna punch the guy, and he just went straight up, hitting him as hard as he Bruce could. Lee. It was the full Bruce Lee, like tensed, like fists standing there. It's amazing. I mean, but come on, he had to think that like the foam thing was gonna probably protect the guy, right? Yeah, I don't think he yeah. was thinking. I think he used that Let's as an excuse to murder him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We all wanted Pat. to punch a mascot. Let's be honest. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're there for. Did you, is to did you see the mascot that shot the t-shirt cannon into his own groin? No. Yeah. He, he yeah. plaxicoed himself. Yeah. He had to get cut it Was this at a Globetrotters event? <laughs> no, it was at a college football game like a few weeks ago. Oh. He groined himself with a t-shirt cannon point blank. Had to be carted off. It was the best thing I've ever seen. Was it intentional? Alistair Black. I don't no, no, no. He was trying purpose. to fix the gun to get to work. Okay. <laughs> and he would just decide to, you know, 
So it was only slightly better and less stupid than the Plaxico Burris thing where he like took a gun into a nightclub in his sweatpants and shot himself. Yeah. Yeah. Did he ever play another football game? I have no idea. I mean, that was that was better than the Titus O'Neil trip into the fuck under the ring. Like that was just my fantasy team that year. Plaxico wasn't nice. He got what? He got a couple lucky interceptions in a Super Bowl and tried to be a big deal and ended up shooting himself in a nightclub. And square was over. Yeah. By the way, on Impact right now, uh, LAX and not LAX is having a match and it's a bear ring match. It's just like the pieces of plywood or the boards, uh, the planks. There's no canvas or anything. And it's a really bad idea. And the planks are moving around and there's like gaps in the ring. You've got homicide. They're not small guys. Like, this is a bad idea. Do you think that's spurred, that spurred from the Gargano and uh, Ciampa match that uh, takeover? Probably. Yes. I, I was thinking about that, yeah. but Gargano Ciampa did it better. That's because Gargano's from Cleveland, and everyone from Cleveland does things better. You all you do is talk Johnny trash about them. I know, like the Browns. Yeah. Well, they had a great day, didn't they? It was pretty amazing. Do you remember when Bill Belichick NFL. was the coach of the Browns? <laughs> Sons of bitches. NFL's here. NFL's been here this weekend. I think it's coming next weekend as well, isn't it? Fuck's sake. You can keep it. Look, there's you more There's more Cleveland Browns fans in England than in Cleveland. They love the Browns in, Cle- in, in England for some reason. I have no idea why. Because I think they're brown coats or something. Especially in, in Leeds and Liverpool. I don't know why. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not start with later. Come on. Well, I'm just saying. So does, does Blackpool have a big, uh, what's his bucket? Lord Regal? Is there a big statue of William Lord William Regal in Blackpool? It should be. No, it's just a shithole. It's ah. just a giant cesspit of humanity. Okay. Mayfloaf, yeah. what part of England do you like? Uh, Looking out the window at it. This isn't supposed to be a difficult question. <laughs> Did you know one time we were like, if you said, "Hey, Justin, Justin what part of America stopping. do you like?" I'd say, "Oh, you know, I really like Austin, Texas. Uh, oh, Asheville, oh, North Carolina is oh. great. Like, I like I, uh, where I Bend, now, Oregon. Like less stabby. That's what it is. Where I live now is less stabby than where I was from and born and raised. So, was it? Was, were you raised on Whitechapel? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh yeah. No. Frankly, the Yorkshire Ripper, where well, it's quite interesting. I was born at the same time he was killing people. Wow. Quite interesting. Yeah. Huh. But uh, no, no, there's, there's nice parts, but Blackpool is especially shit. My mo- I told you before, my mum my was um, there with some friends, I, I want to say the 80s, and as she was getting onto the bus, she got pushed to one side, and her friend who was in front of her had two samurai swords put through him and then brought back, and he died in her arms. By a ninja. That's <laughs> Death by ninja. What was this? Me, did you just say, as I've told you before? Did you say, as I've told you before? Yeah, I said that before. No? You never told us I that. Told, I told you story. Told Wait, you Byron, is this their official press release for the contender finale that you just sent me? Yeah, so... They've uh, spelled the contender wrong in it twice. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not meaning to put one of your employers on blast here, Brandon, but Epic has apparently done a press release where they've spelled contender contendi 
<laughs> That's Spanish. This is for the Spanish market. I know. Yeah. I love this. I don't know if you can see this, but that that clearly says the the contendee right there. That does not say contender. Um. All right. So this says this says that the finale is on November 9th, um, live 7 p.m. Pacific. Um, and it is at the Fabulous Forum in Los Angeles. So that is the venue that they booked. It is L.A. now. It is not going to be Vegas, um, as we previously reported five minutes ago. Um, and the two finalists who shall remain unnamed as of now will um, will go head to head that night. And then there'll be several other matches of contenders uh, from the show, which should also be very exciting. Um and a couple of those guys really need to get a win back because a lot of those guys went in uh, undefeated and, and caught some L's. So I think there's going to be some still still some fire on that undercard, too, of some guys that really want to rebound uh, while they have the spotlight on them. Um, so I would not expect people to be going lightly that night. You no. see some good fights. Um, so that, again, is the November... What did I, I say it was? Ninth, yeah. Ninth. November 9th, and tickets are on sale. Um, I just realized something quite depressing. It's a Friday night, and that's right after the finale. That's the same as the finale of Ultima Lucha, I believe. Same week. It's going to be a big week. Ultima Lucha. Good things what, to come up. What is up with Ultima Lucha being on Halloween? All right, we're going to talk about that. Let's talk about the episode. I want, right. to get to, I want to get to some of the episodes, since I know most people come here to hear what we have to say about Lucha Underground, nah. a show yeah. that... All of us have been to or been a part of in some fashion, except for Meefloaf, because Meefloaf didn't fucking fly over, even though Eric Van Wagner said he would reserve you a front row seat and a VIP treatment anytime you would get off your ass and get over here to a show, but somebody still didn't want to do that. Meef, you can you can wrangle my cable. You can't get any closer. You know what I'm saying? You can wrangle my cable behind me. We'll figure it out. I've actually had to do that once. Yeah. <laughs> just just to try to keep Brandon on his feet, which is always not always an easy it's thing like, to do. I have to yank about. on it in the middle of shooting. There are some dicks like the guy we we uh, blasted oh. on Twitter this week oh. that um, he was standing. That guy was standing directly on top of a cable at one point in time. Um, not when not Brandon's cable, because that would have led to bad things for him. The, the, <laughs> the, the believers in the bleachers would not take kindly to that. Um, right. It was on the other side of the ring. Um, the the girl operator that's on the other side. There's Karen, and then there's a uh, is it Karen Redhead? Yeah, yeah, it was Karen. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. So he he caught some shit for that anyway. But yeah, there's some assholes that that don't really respect the fact that it's a TV taping and think that it's just some kind of free for all in there. You're saying there's some assholes at a wrestling show? Well, you know, but surprisingly, at most Lucha Underground shows, there's not too many. No, it's a good uh, vibe. Goodbye. There's a, considering there's no railing, everyone is extremely well behaved. And you know, all the carnage, people are moving around, but they're very respectful of the yeah. show. This you know, I never really thought of corner of like standing room and end up ringside, like grabbing someone's trunks, like trying to touch mm -hmm. and molest all the wrestlers. It's just because have... Vampiro is looking over everything. Do you want to really piss off Vampiro? That's true. When he when he's paying attention, <laughs> it's happened a few times. But you know, I never thought about the fact that Lucha Underground does not have a railing, Byron. I honestly never that never entered my mind until you just said that right now. Yeah, I think we do we do so many outside spots. I feel like a railing would just kill it. Absolutely, it would. Yeah. So I think ha having that reckless abandon of no barriers, I feel like is is perfect for our show. Well, and if you did have them 
you know, I feel like the audience would be too far away. Like it, I, it feels too far away at AAA a lot of times, even mm -hmm. though that railing is not very far back at AAA. It does kind of take, especially when they use the six-sided ring, I feel like it really takes away from it how far away the, the yeah. people are. And, and, the, and the people in the front row kind of are the railing because sometimes they're a part of the show. Yeah, yeah that'd be me. My, my, first, my first Pentagon show um, was a place, and it was in a nightclub, and I was two foot away from the ring. That's where my knees were, where I was sat, mm. and he landed on me. Oof. That's something you can tell your kids about. I nearly died. Sounds he didn't buy you a drink first. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brandon, uh, the last PWG show you were at, which uh, place was that at? Was it? It was at the American Legion, three hundred five. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I love that place. I mean, the fans are your front row is at the ring. Yeah, no, and people are pounding on as the match is going on. People are pounding on the apron. Yeah. It's just like how can you can't get closer than that? When I but you can't have, can't have a bad seat in that place either. You're sitting back row. It doesn't matter. You're still. Even back row is still five feet from the ring. You yeah, know? you're still going to get hit when they jump out of the ring. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. But I wonder if they're, if I haven't, I don't remember seeing pictures from their new venue. Is that, weren't they going at the Globe? Weren't they doing something at the Globe? Yeah. At the yeah. Globe, right? But do they, did they add a ringside space to work or do you think the fans are up on the ring again? No, they're, they're back a little bit further at the Globe, I believe. If Jimmy was here, he could tell us because when yeah. I didn't get to go, Jimmy still went. All I know is that being there and looking at those cameras, I love the show, but Super Dragon needs to do some stuff about the uh, production side of things. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. So it's horrible. Yeah, Super Dragon is But I'll change everything. When they're raking in all the money, who cares? Yeah, they're not going to do <laughs> it. That's part of the problem. I was at this one uh, indie show in Florida that I'd go to a lot. Um, and their production NXT. was the worst. They had it wasn't NXT. They're great, but it was, hey, don't talk about my full sale guys over there. Come on. You did, you see that, did you see like that post little, that like it says like Vince McMahon's never seen an episode of NXT? Like yeah. Triple H produces them. He's been at the events. I don't think he's probably watched the program, but I don't think he watches any. But even when he goes to their events, he won't. He doesn't sit gorilla. I don't think he just doesn't watch them. I'm sure he does. He just watches old XFL reruns. That's the only thing he ever watched. <laughs> He's watching the WGF. He's watching Mike Luger and his bodybuilder league. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to talk about this episode of Lucha Underground now. Um, oh, yeah. That uh, started off with uh, uh, Taya busting out and um, getting some expletives in. I like, I like yeah. that we're to the point now in Lucha Underground where we can just get blatant expletives into the dialogue we've gotten the f-bomb from the mac we've gotten you know taya using some some language i like i like the strong language i mean we're we're at least at a, yeah. a tv 14 with this show anyway we can get some some shits and dams and assholes yeah. and stuff yeah there. i mean if you listen to anything on new japan everything is f-bomb in new japan you know from tamatanga for the whole crew right and yeah. it gives it a sense of realism well, uh, especially with how cleaned up WWE has to kind of be right now, um, you know, they they can't go back to the Attitude Era, even if they wanted to at this point. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think it does need to be represented elsewhere. And and look, Lucha Underground is a perfect place for it. So I like the promo and, and Taya coming out and bringing some some fire. Mm -hmm. And uh, it got the crowd hot that night live. It, it worked great on the show as a, as a cold open. Um and of course, Antonio obliging her with a sacrifice to the gods, which I can tell you being in the crowd, 
we were all immediately like, holy shit, is Taya seriously about to get sacrificed? Did, like, is there something going on backstage we don't know about? Does she have a heat with DJ? Like, what the fuck just happened? Is Taya really going to get sacrificed? So it was a great way for the whole season to build with the sacrifice thing for that moment. Um, because I can tell you there was genuine trepidation in the crowd that Taya was going to get sacrificed. Now, on TV... I don't know if that plays or people feel that because it was the first match. I think most people kind of realize that that probably wasn't going to happen. We're close to Ultima Lucha and there's going to be a run in. But I swear to God, live, we had no fucking clue. And people genuinely thought Taya might just be getting the axe, you know, especially after the Jack Evans thing. Like, no one really yeah. saw that coming either. Right. Jack was the biggest guy sacrificed, right? What's that, Meef? I was gonna say, I think with the with the way it came across on TV, with it being near Ultima Lucha, it kind of was like, oh, is she gonna get sacrificed? And then it's the big revenge match, at Ultima Lucha. Yeah. Johnny, so yeah. I, I mean, that was the, the angle that played off well. That was the feel, and yes, Byron, I I don't know. I feel like I feel like Mister Pectacular was maybe the biggest sacrifice. Mm. Wait, what about the the pizza guy? What about Vinny Masaru? You don't think that was the biggest well, uh, sacrifice? Peter yeah, I don't know. Vinny Massaro is more over after his sacrifice than he was before it. So I think I think Vinny is fine. <laughs> that that might have been the the best sacrifice of the whole season because that was, that was a great match. Who else? Uh, oh no, it was Ricky Reyes. Ricky Reyes is definitely the biggest name that got sacrificed for sure. You don't have a comment, Byron. You know, you know it's not. You know what's kind of. I don't know what happened, but. He has two matches where he just gets nerfed by Matanza. One of them, he has a broken arm where Matanza breaks the cast, and breaks the arm again. And then the next match, Matanza sacrifices him. You know, maybe maybe they had heat backstage or something. Maybe he, you know, left a rotten sandwich in Cobb's locker or something. I don't know. <laughs> what does Cobb have to do with this? I don't know. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. We're talking about Matanza. I mean, I think I think I think that Cobb has a hotline to Matanza that he can call in favors. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, clearly, Jack Evans was the one that nobody thought was going to happen because he's not a guy. It, it's especially because he's not a guy that you would imagine would get re-gimmicked some other way. Right. Like, why would you ever re-gimmick him? So, thusly sacrificing him i think took people off guard like other people like a ricky reyes yeah okay you can sacrifice ricky reyes he could still have a job and show up three three weeks later under a hood you know yeah. and do something credible or maybe even better maybe his character as as you know whatever his castro just ran its course and then you know they give him something else but yeah for jack evans it's like holy shit what the hell is going on here and yeah. I still don't even entirely know, but, you know, I don't know if Jack entirely knows. No, I don't think Jack knows his future very well. I think he's just taking it day by day, paycheck by paycheck. And, you know, he'll find a way. He'll find Jack a way. He has a, he's making strides. He has a working cell phone at one point, I heard. Yeah, and as long as he can find his yeah. visa, then I think he'll be in good shape. I think and it's a combo cell phone vape. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Anybody who can wrestle with a cigarette in their mouth and keep it in there. Yeah, how much but he still he still has to get paid cash, right? He oh, can't of course. Work a check, of yeah. course. Yeah. Anyway, so the 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 Taya Matanza match um, wasn't bad. I'll say though that the second she got in there with Matanza, 
I was really hoping for shades of that Taya cage match that is still to this day one of my favorite Lucha Underground matches, but it definitely didn't quite go there. Um, But she's good wrestling against those kind of powerhouse guys. Like she looks really good in there with those kind of guys. And there's not a whole lot of women that can say that. Mm -hmm. She looks like a million bucks and she can take, she can take the best. She can take the heavy hits and you don't have to, Something like about what I like about Ty is she she protects herself, but she's not like overly, you know, she's not, you know, uh, what's a uh, prima donna. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, she can take the hit. So that's why I think something pairing her up with Matanza it just works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he's she's really clean too. Who, Go ahead, me. I was gonna say she's one of those females who likes to like she goes to the guys and goes right. You hit me as hard, if not harder, than you mm-hmm. hit everybody else. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. also like, some female wrestlers that are good technically and they're in good shape, but they don't look strong enough to go against a proper male heavyweight. You mm-hmm. know, like she can she can go, you know, hit with hit against like Brian Cage and it looks believable. Right. Whereas you might have someone who's a little bit um, you know, smaller built and doesn't look as strong, doesn't look as as believable mm. she's she's really good i i mean i was thrilled when she first showed up i think the whole first season we were just waiting every every yeah. single week we're like i hope she shows up this week and then when she finally showed up what second season no yeah second season we were so stoked i think just, that point in time was honestly of her career some of the best stuff that i saw her do yeah. Uh, in general, you know, and, and I, I do feel like she's headed back there right now, too. We'll see. I mean, she's probably getting ready to come up right now on, on Impact. Or did she already go? She already I had her she match. It was she a good match. Uh, she lost to a top rope code breaker, but hmm. uh, it was a good match. It, yeah. I'll have to go and watch. Now, I don't watch a whole lot of Impact. Do they do the, the whole intergender thing as well? Or is Lucha kind of its own thing where... It Luke has happened in Impact, but it is much rarer. They have the knockouts division, and most of the women stay firmly in the knockouts division, but I don't think that they have a rule against it. It's just I, have, ODB. I really have Did to interrupt you, you guys right now because I'm watching Impact, and Allie just took an axe to um, the un, to Sue Young's Sue neck. Young. An cool. axe. Literally, they were having not an axe kick, an actual axe. They're having a rub. I mean, a rubber axe, uh, an axe fight. There was no (laughs) blood, but they were having they were having an axe fight. Kira Hogan was in a casket. That's Hulk Hogan's niece. Um, (laughs) Well, he wouldn't admit to it. (laughs) Of course not. Yeah, he wouldn't like to say she's his niece. (laughs) He's from Canada, you know. But someone on Impact Wrestling got axed in the front of the neck what, you need but to get rating, you need to get ratings byron so the first thing you go to is not write better storylines or get better performers you just bring in an axe right and because because when you advertise axe wound match people yeah. will watch yeah they're like how is this it's terrible it's a long way to go for that thanks for the setup byron long way to go for the joke yeah i had a um in my horror movie that i made Oh no, she's back! There's a weird. Oh, did you make a horror movie? Byron, did you make a horror movie? I've never heard. He made, you know, he made a he made a horrible movie. Sounds like he made a sex tape. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. No, actually, Byron's Byron's movie, uh, the Bates Haunting, is that what it's still called? 
The Bates Haunting, yeah. It's actually fairly good. If you haven't seen it, uh, I believe you can still watch it on Amazon Prime. Are you on? Is it on iTunes? Oh, is it on iTunes? iTunes, probably Amazon Prime. Hmm. It's from a while ago. I don't know if it's still Prime. I know I watched it for free once, yeah. but now you might have to pay for it on Amazon. I think it's like a three ninety nine rental. I got I to get into that because my, my distributor, I distributed a film last year uh, called a movie. I did. My first feature called Ryan Baxter, Reenactor. And we put it on iTunes uh, last year, but my, my distributor, you know, has kind of dropped the ball a couple of times and uh, we're just on iTunes. Uh, I think iTunes is the worst one. Like you brag, that legitimizes you, but you want to be on the, the easy ones. You want to be on the on-demand stuff like the cable, um, the home VOD, like uh, Comcast sort of. Mm. Right. You want to be on Redbox. You want to be... Um, the ones where people will trip over it, see some good cover art, and and get it anyway. Well, yeah, the, actually, the art. one the one good thing they did, we just sold to China, but the they uh, they sold to uh, Meef would know this Sky TV. This and it yes. aired on Sky TV, oh, yeah. but it was in New Zealand. Oh, cool! Well, it was Sky New Zealand. New Zealand. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, Murdoch owns Sky, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Murdoch owns the world uh, of media. Yeah, that's not um, a bad thing. Rupert Murdoch's a great guy, Dave no, no. He's a fucking dick. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why I said that, just because I, I wanted you to just call him a dick. I was so Brandon, so Brandon, all the listeners of this show, if they want to, if they want to see your movie, they could see your movie right now. Yes, I can see it on iTunes. Ryan Baxter, reenactor. Take a look at the trailer. It's a mockumentary about uh, television show reenactment actors. Um, and uh, shot it all here locally in Salt Lake and used a lot of Salt Lake talent. But um, I funded, produced, wrote, directed the whole thing and shot about 75, 80% of it myself. Um, and it was my first go at doing a feature film. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to put it out there and see how it stuck. And, you know, I think we had the lowest uh, buys ever on an iTunes movie, I think at nine. And I think that's mostly like my parents buying extra copies of it. I don't even think Byron's parents bought his, so I think you're doing better oh, than Byron. Right. Well, my parents were, I would say, polite about <laughs> watching my movie. <laughs> and raising you. <laughs> they were. They were very kind about it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. You Well, at least you guys are out there trying stuff. I always have appreciation for people who are actually just going out there and doing it. And um, I would be remiss if I if I didn't tell people that they have to go watch uh, Casey's Ninja Short movie, which I don't remember the name of that he wrote. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it. And it's I love Casey's short. Um, oh, Casey? oh, what happened to Casey? I feel like Casey was a mainstay and then all of a sudden he's gone. Well, Casey... Yeah. Um, Casey has a real life and like three jobs now. He's also at um, uh, a very good tasting dinner this evening, so um, that we can't begrudge him because he's doing. Why was he going? Does he wear the gloves all the time? Does he wear the Pentagon gloves like all the time? Uh, yes, yes. He hasn't been on camera for a while either, though, because um, he's got this really loud AC at his place. So, like, even when he comes on the show, it's usually just audio only. So I don't know what gloves he's wearing these days. Just, yeah. Why, why, why yeah. wasn't he on the show last week, Justin? Um, why wasn't he on the show last week? Because I believe yeah. he believes that Marty the Moth is a paper champion. Yeah, he he's scared of Marty. He'll talk shit when Marty's not around. And then when Marty comes on the show, he's like, guys. I well, I don't want Marty to be offensive, offended because he's probably watching this right now or listening to it. Even, I don't know if he got this far in the show, but um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've always had a spot in my heart as well for Marty, 
when I knew him as Martin, Martin Cassis, Cassaus, because I did the Stone Cold season of Tough Enough. Ooh. And Martin, you know, I didn't talk to the producers or Brad or anything, the, but the, the whole unofficial thing. winner, Martin Cassaus. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that was the whole vibe is like no one out and out said it, but like Martin, Martin was the guy. Martin was the guy. And then he hurt his hip or his leg or something like that. And I was the one that actually took him on camera to the hospital. And it was just like, this guy had everything. Like he had, he had the competition one, in my opinion, he had the competition one. And then it all comes crashing down in like 15 minutes. And I'm there right in his face. I got to say though, there when Matt Cross got told off by Stone Cold, I was this close on Matt Cross's face as he's like saying, no, don't, don't do it. Don't do it, Steve. Don't kick me off. And it was like, to this day, it's one of the hardest things I've ever shot in my life. Cause it was just like his tear, like a tear was like coming out of his eye, but look at him now. Oh, no, but he's just got to tough it up. Come on. <laughs> it's called it's tough good. enough. Just be tougher. It's a rough business. Uh, it is. JC's favorite wrestler. Um, but at the same time, as much as, as much as I like cross Matt cross, um, he did not deserve to win. Not at that point in his career, not at that stage. He was a little too green and a little, he was a little soft for the business. And actually, honestly, to this day, he is a little bit too. I mean, it's a hard, hard business and he's a nice, nice guy. So were you yeah. pulling, were you pulling for Skidmark? <laughs> no, I mean, I was, uh, Martin was my guy. And after that, I didn't give a, I didn't give a crap. Like the whole time it was like, oh, look at this kind of chubby kid getting in here and just like from the very beginning of it, it was like, oh my God, he is just turning it on. Like every time you would watch, you would be like, that guy's got something. He's got a star power. I don't know that if he had won, though, it would have been a good thing, especially with where WWE was in general at that time. I don't know that any of them could have won and really succeeded. You know, well, it just wasn't look at the, the winner, Andy Levine. Andy Levine, he won, and then I think he got popped for something or some. Unfortunately, but yeah, and then then it was over. He had like one excerpt on Raw where I told I told Eric that Stone Cold should say "Welcome to WWE" and then give him a stunner. And that's actually, that's actually what happened. Yeah. I'm not saying it was my idea. I'm saying it was probably going to happen anyway, but I might as well tell Eric, you know. And then take credit for it if you can, because yeah. that's you – know, Stone Cold did that a lot. Did he keep doing it after you told him to do it? After you told Stone Cold to do that? <laughs> he turned it into a whole gimmick. It was a yeah. thing. But, you know, I think looking back and sadly what happened to, to Andy, you know, I, I wish a, a Matt Cross would have won. Right. You know? But see, at that time, I don't know, like now, if he if he if there was a time machine and that was happening now and he was that age now, he could get over in WWE. You've got NXT. You've got other guys of yeah. that level. There's more respect for for indie workers and that indie mentality. Back then, it still it still wasn't quite there yet. I mean, Randy Orton was still on a run back then. Yeah, it was, it was a to win over still, personally, right? What's like, that? How would how would Matt Cross as a sweetheart? I've talked to him a little bit, yeah. but how would he earn Vince McMahon's personal respect? Well, he never could because of the height, <laughs> but because yeah. he's he's kind of around my height, maybe a smidge smidge short. He's probably in the five nine range, five eight, five nine. But his his smaller physique is amazing. What's that? Yeah, I'm, I'm five foot seven. He's smaller than me. Is he okay? Okay. Yeah. He's, he's um, than him too. Like five, six. But, but at that time, it was still a, a, you know, obviously they have 205 Live and NXT where they kind of banish the smaller guys. But at that time, it was still just, it wasn't a coincidence that Andy won. He was the largest man on right. set. And they, they kept saying, oh, he's, he's going to be the new taker. 
which is just a kill, like they'll kill you right away. Yeah, no, but that was that was. I don't want to be that. <laughs> no, everyone who is the new take. The, the taker is still the new taker, as, yeah, as yeah. far as him or Vince is concerned. Yeah, now that like Abyss just got inducted into the TNA Impact Hall of Fame, I think yesterday. Who did and Abyss? Oh yes, and he had a legit attempt or uh, possibility of going to WWE and feuding with Taker and going that route. Mm. And but even much. Abyss, if you look at Abyss, not that big compared to some of these guys. Like, I worry about yeah. Cross going there because, you know, Cross looks, uh, uh, Kevin Cross looks really intimidating and mean in all these other promotions. And you put him in WWE, and like, he's the same size as, you know, Elias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, who's, who's a big guy, and he looks like he can bruise some people, but, you know, he's not a standout at that point in time. So then you have to have something else extra. You know, no. you have to be bringing something else with you. You have to have that charisma. You have to be able to get over because you got Baron Corbins and you've got Elias and you've got all these other guys that are that they're all that size. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Seamus doesn't look that huge compared to, to some of these guys. But I saw him in the airport. and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that is like three men. But it's size. Size doesn't matter. <laughs> size doesn't matter. It's all about the, it was all about the performance. Like the, like my favorite promotion other than Lucha Underground is New Japan. Right. And all those guys are probably just below six feet, but they're the best workers in the business, and they do some of the most exciting stuff in the whole business. So I just think that whole WWE thing, um, they just want those big guys, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they they lose a lot of talent, I feel, in pushing guys because they're not. Six eight. Well, and I think that, but that's part of why I like what they've done in kind of creating different brands. I like the fact that they've just let Triple H have have his NXT or whatever, because I think at least he's one person that does recognize that they're uh, whether he cares about those guys or not. I don't know, but I think he at least rep- realizes that other people are making money off of that. So why shouldn't they? Yeah. You know, and why shouldn't they have something that represents that? Whether it's Vince's favorite thing or not, whether those guys ever get pushed to the moon or not they basically own their own indie and can represent that style. And they do a great job of it. I mean, people, you know, indie wrestling fans love NXT and it, it totally works. Do you think once Vince in, I don't know, 115 years when Vince finally passes, do you think it, you know, triple H is going to make the smaller guys more of a mainstay <sighs> on the big show? I, I don't know if he can or should, if you really look at the numbers and you look at what people expect from wrestling, I hate to say it, but Vince still isn't wrong. Real wrestling fans can talk about how crappy WWE is all day long, but it still gets those numbers. Mm-hmm. It still yeah. gets those asses in the seat. They're still not doing it wrong when you look at their the overall satisfaction level that the customers have with the product. It's still there. They're just not the vocal customers. They're not the internet customers. They're not the smart marks. They're just the average guy in Iowa who puts a butt in a seat every two times WWE comes to town. They go out to Des Moines. They buy the fucking $200 ticket for for them and the five kids. They go, they buy the merchandise. They buy the Bailey I'm a hugger t-shirt. They buy the fucking Roman Reigns t-shirt because Roman Reigns still sells a shit ton of t-shirts. Smart fans fucking hate him. And smart fans haven't bought a single t-shirt yet, but yet the guy outsells everybody. So you can't say Vince is wrong. You can't say he was wrong about um, uh, 
well, right, the right now on Impact, sales. they have right now on Impact they have the the main event with uh, Johnny Impact and Aries, and the ring announcer in the suit standing in between them looks bigger and thicker than both of them. <laughs> well, John Morrison is is even as beefy and as uh, cut up as he is, he's actually a normal sized guy. I mean, if you remember him back on WWE, he was one of the smaller dudes on the roster at the time. Yeah. And he, yeah, but no, he, no, I, he dwarfs me. He's got to be at least six two. He has to be. Right? I think he's yeah. six. He goes six one two twenty something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, but Justin, I agree with you. WWE is is that type of product product where um, it's like a Saturday morning cartoon thing. I mean, the big appeal to going to a WWE event is you could take your son. He's going to love the fact that John Cena walked out and said some stuff, and he's going to want to wear a John Cena shirt and wristband. And they got to gotta look the part to a certain extent. When you're in a yeah, room that seats 14,000 people, which they are two or three nights a week, you know, and you're sitting up in that second rafter, you want to still literally be able to see the guy and have the guy standing in the ring look bigger than the guy sitting in the row right behind him, you know? And we argue about Gargano, uh, and I think like, I think he's a bigger star on the main scene than, than you do. But I remember being at an NXT show, and uh, Johnny's in the ring. I'm outside the ring and sitting on like second, second row bleachers. I'm sort of floor height, and I feel like I'm still taller than him. Yeah, Gargano's not big, man. Like he's mm. a he's a he's six in real life, but you know on camera. You know, they make him bigger than life. Well, he's got a good personality, and I love Johnny Gargano. That that brings it up. I mean, I know you 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 can't teach height. I know that. Okay, but you know, Gargano, he's like the one. He's had one five star match uh, in WWE of how many? Like what? There's been like eight, maybe eight, five to eight five star matches in WWE. A couple. And I don't think Big Cass has had any. So I don't. (laughs) Big Cass. Oh, I think it's, it's. I think it's great. Someone's height is fine for getting people in the building. I get yeah. it, but I want to see a Canadian destroyer, and I'm, and a uh, you know seven footer is not doing a Canadian destroyer. Yeah, <laughs> true. Well, what do you think about wrestling? Oh, well, not just lines and running the ropes, <laughs> which you get. I mean, the big, big, the big guys are fine. It's a special attraction, but like the thing is, like Justin was saying. Um, WWE, it's a product. It's this, and that's all. It, it sells, so they don't give a fuck. Basically, as much as we all want to see a better product, I think they give a it. fuck. I just don't think they give a fuck about the same thing that the average, um, you know, yeah. smart fan. And I won't say smart yeah. mark. I'll say smart fan does. I don't think they care about the same things anymore. And I think for a while during the Attitude Era, when WWE product won a lot of people over, they did care about the same things, which were being edgy, breaking new ground, having matches that were exciting, having characters that that broke the mold of the the 80s cartoonish WWE. I think there was a better symbiosis between the fan and the creators of the product then because they were literally on the same page. But I think that now uh, the the average fan and the smart fan and the company are all all kind of at odds. I think there's a lot of people that want a different thing. And I don't even know that all of us would agree. Like if we had our druthers about what WWE would turn into, I don't know if we'd all even agree what that would be. But the thing yeah. with WWE is basically it's a product. 
that's all it is now. It's a company that makes a product. Correct. And well, it went public. That's, that's it, it went it public. It's, it's, it has yeah, to be. Yeah. So that's that's all it needs. That's all it's doing. It's going through a thing. And the thing is, is basically, um, oh god, I forgot my point now. Damn you. Kayfabe is dead. That's what you're gonna say. Yeah. yeah. I, had, I had a marvelous point. I want to interrupt the again on thing. this impact match. They're doing something really oh, interesting. Okay. They're sort of, I mean, uh, these two guys have been working a shoot sort of Twitter heat against each other. And um, I don't know, I, for my money, it's all a work. Oh, now my cat's. Mine. I mean, you really, th- wait, you really think it's a work? Like, you think Mundo would <laughs> let him say that stuff about Taya? Yeah. I don't think he agreed to that. Maybe he agreed to doing a, a work shoot, but I don't think he agreed to the content of aforementioned work shoot. I guess that all depends on the exact ratings, how low they are. I don't know. I don't know. I bet he's avocados. I think. What did he say about Taya? He said she was chubby or uh, something? By the way, Taya is on the rebound from that condition, which was a health condition, and she's on the upswing. So it's like, you know, she doesn't even look like she did last week. Like, I don't know how much she would take that personally when she's doing great now. But their match. He hears that shit on the Internet constantly anyway. No female performer doesn't hear every wrong thing that they never wanted to hear in their life if they're a popular female performer. That's just the honest reality. But at the same time, for another worker, um, and, you know, know, Aries has caught shit from other people backstage about his his honesty and straightforwardness being very inappropriate at times. I mean, this would not be a first. He said some other stuff, too, but they're working this really heated match where they're doing like it like it's very non-cooperative, you know, Um, and I saw but it's heated non-cooperative. Like I saw Loki and Daga have a match at this place for MLW where it looked like Loki didn't want to do anything Daga wanted to do. And they just did stiff chops back and forth. Wait, isn't that the one where Daga walked away all fucked up in the year or whatever? Yeah, they did a bad uh, gimmick ending where Loki ripped off Daga's ear and it was really bad and fakers fake blood. It was dumb. It was really dumb. Like why would Daga who's super tough and good at fighting um, have his ear ripped off, let his ear get ripped off and then not do anything, but just lie on the ground for 10 minutes afterwards instead of get up and do something about it. Anyway, that was dumb. And the match was awful, but these guys are having one of those matches where they're, they're working some spots in, but they're also not cooperating with each other a little bit. So it looks kind of like a cluster but real and intense it looks it's it's interesting well so you sound intrigued so that means it's working regardless yeah, of uh, work or shoot okay. I mean, yeah. and that's <laughs> always my thing is i don't care if it's a work or a shoot as long as it's entertaining and i want to watch it all right yeah. let me get back to let me get back to uh anyway. lucha underground because i we, we we left it so long ago <laughs> um do you, want, do you want to see the real face of lucha underground keisha yeah yeah, yeah. come here come here The real face of Lucha Underground. This is the real face of Lucha Underground. Come here, Don. Oh, no. It's okay. Everything's fine. They're all they're 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 good. They're good people. Can we, can we just come in? Reasonably do, good people. Do you remember this face from the cutaways? <laughs> this is there. It is the face, right? <laughs> I've seen that before. <laughs> okay, get out of here. Okay, back. You're stealing. You're scooping my heat. <laughs> stealing all your heat oh we're gonna get to your heat all right so striker gave us finally the first rundown of things we were going to see at ultima lucha 4 that involved uh mundo versus matanza cueto oh, just we gotta, we gotta finish the episode right 
Yeah, I'm just I'm talking about this. This is part of the episode. This happened uh, second in the episode is Stryker did his first okay. rundown of everything you're going to see at Ultima Lucha 4 this year. What are we going to see Ultima Lucha 4 this year? On Halloween. We'll talk about that. So um, Mundo versus Matanza has been announced. Uh, Son of Havoc versus Killshot in a uh, Apuestas match for their masks. Um, Penta versus the Moth in a Sierra Miedo match, which um, should be gross uh, <laughs> mill versus mac in a death match and uh dadge dragon azteca jr versus phoenix in a two out of three falls match uh i gotta say out of all of these that's the most brilliant thing on here as a gimmick is just give me more of those guys doing whatever the fuck it is that they do because um phoenix dark phoenix black evil phoenix whatever the hell you want to call this new phoenix zombie phoenix absolutely the best incarnation of that guy ever in any promotion um even this match tonight which was just kind of a bridge a stopgap, you know bad go home show kind of match even that still just absolutely fire everything he did and I, ha- I have my beef with uh, phoenix dark oh what? what's oh. your beef with phoenix dark i like this well he kicked me in the head well, he sure did. And in this match, <laughs> in this match, Phoenix Dark, um, who is uh, Phoenix is working the stiffest he has ever worked. Not crisp, not hard, not rough, but fucking just flat out stiff. Yeah. He is throwing rough stuff, um, which is fine because some of these guys are totally cool with that. I think Dragon Azteca, especially um, him and, and Phoenix have worked out some great stuff this season and they have no trouble going at each other super super hard mm-hmm. um and and even in this quick little match that was happening mac was taking some great bumps and then a spot with phoenix and mac happens where i and you had no reason to believe that you were in any kind of harm's way because i've never seen phoenix do this before but he did like this little uh 619 in the corner yeah it was like a, i had no idea it was coming obviously but and it was like a reverse 619 like he was, yeah I, I thought he he kicked me with his with his toe, but it was actually his heels coming around. No idea. Um, which <laughs> absolutely amazing. I think I have some footage of it here. Let me see if I can play you this footage. I think you'll love this. Um, can you do that? Do we have the technology to do that? You have a playback on here? I may have some rough rough playback capabilities if I can find the uh, the actual clip here. It's a great role, look. It's a great role. Thank you. Thank it you. is. I think you you did a fabulous I, job. I did. I did catch some shit from other from you know joking shit from people that say you know I didn't sell it, but oh. I was there. I was there. I was there for a job, and <laughs> and there's still there's still work to be done. Yeah, you did a backflip. Yeah, a full on backflip. I mean, yeah. you 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 I, took the bump first of all. Like that's to be honest with you. they it can't ask for like too much. The camera. I fell it on looks the, like camera. He hits the camera. No, so I, I had. You can, oh, you, you get you in the head. Oh yeah, I had a big welt right here for about oh, at least a week and a half. It was all scraped and, and bruised for about a week and a half. I mean, I wasn't even watching the match after that. I was looking at you, and I was looking over at Vampiro yeah. and trying to catch Evie Dub's eye. Like, uh, do do you guys need to get branded out? Like, I'll come operate if you need somebody. <laughs> Byron's right here. He can operate, but yeah. like, do we need That's to get branded for medical attention? Cause I didn't want you to be out there like toughing it out for no reason. Like me and uh, Byron and Jimmy, I think we're all sitting, uh, not the bleachers. We were t- just to the right of the bleachers that time. 
Um, but we were on the floor and we saw like, and it was everything in me. I was like up out of my seat about to jump run over there and, and throw up the big X and get you some help. Cause I didn't know if anybody saw it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I luckily I have a oversized German double thick head, you know, and it's, this finally came into being a good thing in my life. All know? right. Let me show this footage here. If I can, let me see if this actually works here. This is the circle. There's no sound on it, but this is the uh, this is the spot. Right side of the screen. There it is. No, it's all it's up big. Here we go. And that's. You know, I couldn't see color for a couple of days, but you know, it was. Uh... I mean, bam! Just yeah. full heels right in the dome. Just look at that roll, perfectly over the back. See, <laughs> the thing is, is, like I said, when you, when you see it from the angle, it looks like he kind of kicks the camera and makes you fall back. Yeah. So the no selling, you can get away with it that way, if you know what I mean. But I mean, you're literally up and you're there. You have the shot at the end. There you are. There you are with the shot. You're back in business 100% there. I got to watch yeah. this one more time because there's one other thing. Oh, it's been on a constant loop. My wife just has it on the t on her TV like all the time. <laughs> Bam! Rolls uh, all the way over, back up on the feet. But now look at the believers. They're yeah. all applauding. Everyone back there is chanting. And I mean, that was the biggest pop of the night. It's quite possibly like my favorite moment in my own history. And I've had two kids, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he hit me. It was unexpected. He hit me. And I just kind of knocked out for the half a second. And I realized my feet. You know, uh, I tripped on my own feet basically and fell backwards. And uh, next thing I know, my feet, I'm looking at my feet as they're in the air. And I'm thinking, like, I'm just going to power through and, and do a roll. And my hand never left the lens, of the lens of the camera. So when I got on my feet, my hand was still in the, in the hand holder. And so I just popped it back up with one hand and kept going. I got a job to do, you know? And protected the equipment, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the camera was fine too. I mean, you're you're standing up at the end of that thing, uh, racking the focus back, and you're just right back in. And I'm like, yeah, what I the think, hell I think is going three on? Second, three seconds after I recovered, I think they cut to my shot of them in, in the corner post. Now, no. this was also pretty early in the evening of the double taping, right? This was the first episode of the two that were taped that day, right? My memory has been spotty since then. <laughs> so I don't recall. I, I, I realized, oh, we still had to, it was before intermission. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, like yeah. there was a lot of show left. There was like a whole another two and a half hours of, of yeah. shoulder time left for you at least. Yeah, no, oh, at least, but it, it was great. It was, you know, at that moment, did I want to be a pro wrestler? And did I think about, hey, maybe somebody has some spare trunks in the back, and I can just, I can make this is my, this is my moment, this is my time. Um, maybe, maybe Del Rio had something back there that he left here. I'm sure, I'm sure he left a lot of things because he left oh, very abruptly. <laughs> he did, he did, he did. Um, but it, it was great. You know, I had a, I got, you know, obviously um, assaulted, but it was worth it. You know, people afterwards are taking pictures with me and everything, and I had a, a little glimmer of what their life is like. And it felt great. I had the chant going for, they were chanting camera guy for you know 10 yeah. seconds or so. And yeah. you know, it was amazing. Well, we've, we've officially given you your new MMM show name. You are Brandon bump camp. Nice. 
I like it. There it is. Your Brandon bump cam. I think, I think I'm going to talk to Eric. I, you know, I, uh, I sent him an email asking if I could take a bump every, every season. So it could be its own spot every season. I told him I want to go through a table next year. There it is. <laughs> you should work an angle where you're always grabbing at Phoenix's feet in matches. <laughs> now, does, that you mean, do, does that mean I need to go to WWE? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might have to if you want that. No, but it is customary um, when you get potatoed like that, that you uh, get to send a receipt. So the real question is, will, will EB-Dub and DJ give you a chance to get back at Phoenix for the aforementioned uh, knock to the head? Something, something's, it's either going to happen. It might happen in the parking lot off camera, but yeah, something, they're going to figure something out. Yeah, we're gonna treat wrestlers court, baby. Take him to wrestlers court. court. <laughs> That's how they write Phoenix off if he leaves. Wouldn't that be great? Brandon Bumpcamp <laughs> takes him out, man. With yeah. all the with all the story and character work going on, they have a camera guy actually kill Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I'm on him, and then I roll the iris, so he just slowly blacks out, and he's gone. Have you seen Peeping Tom? Wait. That movie. The old movie, Peeping Tom? No. Joe watch the story. It's an old thriller. It's really good, but it's about this guy, this camera guy. Well, he's like a AC in the, in the motion pictures, but he does these, uh, these movies in his private time. Me Fluff knows. And so he'll grab <laughs> yeah, one of them night and he'll film them. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to capture the, um, like the really intense, pure look of fear in someone's eyes. So what he'll do is he'll put up a camera next to the lens so they see their face. And then with the tripod, he sticks the leg up forward and pulls off a sheath, and it's a spike, and it'll stab someone in the neck while they watch themselves die. Brian, you you shouldn't be moving. No, I've seen, I've seen, I have, I'm sure I've seen this. Dear Lord, Byron, yeah. if you ever wondered so. why the restraining orders keep coming, <laughs> you may want to change the style of movies that you watch. I'm just it's saying. A great movie. All right. If you How saw. old is it? How old is Peeping Tom? It's on YouTube. It's, it's old, old, it's old enough to be pirated on YouTube. <laughs> no, 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 it's legitimately on YouTube. Um, oh, hey, I just got, uh, let's see. I don't know if I will be in town, but maybe I will be. On November 3rd is the um, debut show for LA Lucha. And uh, we just got extended a media pass for that. So hopefully uh, either me or Jim or Casey or one of us LA people uh, we'll get out to that show on November 3rd. Interested to see what they got going on. A lot of other guys we'll that go to uh, Lucha Underground and, you know, uh, friends of ours and, and colleagues are kind of involved over there with that. So uh, good luck to them. And I hope I hope they all uh, have a good show and hopefully I can make it out. I'd definitely be curious to see it. Are they scooping, are they scooping our heat? Are they scooping our heat? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's more like they're ju- they're trying to do uh, a regular L.A. Um, Lucha Libre style promotion that's just kind of more of a, a, a local indie. Amazing, great. To give give people another place to go and work, and and I think it's more in respect to Lucha Underground of like trying to keep that vibe going on a smaller level year round. You know, especially for a lot of the the locals who would absolutely attend something like that on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, basically four weeks of lucha a year is not quite enough (laughs) do they need a tv crew uh i don't know what their plans are for that i think they'll probably of course tape the show but i don't know if they have any aspirations to go that big yet i think you need to get through your first couple of uh you know shows first before you decide if you want to start spending that kind of money on a real production 
Kind of money. Do they need a British um, Antonio Quota? Oh, this is the point in time when this is the point in time when uh, Casey would jump in with the uh, Papa Queta. Um, anyway, so back to Lucha Underground. So, um, Famous B and Brenda. Um, there's just really never enough Famous B for me, yeah. and and Brenda and her comedic timing. Actually, I don't, I don't know how to get a read on Holly. Um, if she's really that funny, if it's all genuine, <laughs> like I don't, she so lives the 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 whole thing that she's doing. Because oh, you yeah. talk to her not on camera, and she's kind of like that. Yeah. I don't know, but it is absolutely hysterical. I don't know if it's comedic genius, if it's actually just who she is or what, but it plays so perfectly. I don't think it's that far of a stretch. Wonderful, wonderful girl. I, th- I think she's fantastic, and uh, I think she's in the perfect role for her personality. Yeah, you know they say they say write what you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And and it works. I mean, I think she does know how to play it for laughs. I think she does have actually very very good timing. I think she, but I do think a lot of it is actually herself, which is. Have you ever called four two three get fame? I have. Yeah. I was I was one of the early folks to do that. <laughs> I've never even done it. I've done. I've worked on the show for four seasons. Never called it. You can call and uh, famous. It'll be on there, and then you leave him a message, and then uh, you have to beg to get famous. He uh, he heard he heard our call, in fact, and then came on the show. Did so really? uh, yeah, four two three get fame works. People give it a ring. Call it That's up. Amazing. Apparently, amazing. he looks like Pele. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the Brenda. Uh, Famous B segment was great. Famous B uh, has retained a new client himself uh, and decided to strap up the boots again. And uh, Ricky Mandel, a.k.a. Ricky Creepy, or whatever the hell he's calling himself these days. Sex doll, man. Yeah. He's a doll fucker. Ricky doll fucker. Decided uh, to answer that challenge and proceeded to do bad things to B. (laughs) (laughs) We might I, little, think, I, I think the gimmick's working, though. I, I was unsure about the doll gimmick, but ever since, you know, once it goes through posts and everything, I think it really works. I think it's, it's a fun... Well, he got, I mean, he got the best murder of the season, so there's always that. He'll always yeah. have that. Yeah, yeah. And But I, but I like Ricky because said. Ricky is actually really quiet on set, and he kind of sets him off to the He's off to the side by himself, just kind of observing, so I think giving him this doll angle, I think was perfect because he's, he's kind of a, kind of a loner. I feel, um, Oh no. Did we lose Justin? Uh, I I found his weird thing with the hand this episode. um, I I love the Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. But I I remember like he, yeah, we had a small conversation. And he was, he was, you know, talking to me about the doll. He's like, is it, is it, is it dumb? Is it, is it just not working? I'm like, no, man, it's working. I love the, the yeah. doll angle. It's great. But I love the foreshadowing on it too, where they teased it a season prior. But yeah. see, and that's what you should do when, when you have a, like a mid-level guy that he's not crucial to something else. And this is where DJ is brilliant. Ricky Mandel's not crucial to anything going on in Lucha Underground. You can take a guy like that or Vinny Massaro or whatever, and you can plan something for them for a long time because 
it's not going to get fucked up by some other program. Mm -hmm. And this long, slow burn with Ricky is the way to get a guy like that over. That's the only way you're going to do it. You got to do something outrageous and crazy and you got to think it through. And I think DJ has done that with this particular gimmick, whether you like it or not, but it doesn't matter because if you don't, it's only there for this amount of screen time. It's not screwing up any of the top of the card. It's not screwing up your favorites or anything like that. And, and it gives him a great resource. And then you can see, like, does this guy really work? It's why Elias is so over in WWE right now. Mm -hmm. They took the time. They let him do the thing. They they played with it a little bit, let him cut the promos. And now it's down to a science, and it's so fucking over. I think you one know? of the, be the best moments all year was, what, two weeks ago in Seattle with the whole when they were booing? Right. He and Kevin Owens. It was, But it was like five, ten minutes of solid booing. And I was just like, that. that is pure heat. Pure heat. And pure heat. And then there's other times when he'll go in and work the room for pops and mm -hmm. then just turn on them and it mm -hmm. still gets all the heat in the world. And it's mm -hmm. it's genius. It's exactly what you want. And they just need to figure out how to really put it on a, a t-shirt. Because I yeah. don't know if I don't know if Walk with Elias is really selling like hotcakes yet as a t-shirt, but uh, have you seen their t-shirts? Their t-shirts are fucking dreadful now. Well, yeah, but they, they still gotta sell them. <laughs> I know, I know. They're in, like the same format. In this household, in in the Haber Mansion, the face of Lucha Underground, it, that is her favorite wrestler, is Elias. So Elias is over in Haber Mansion. So I, I'm, I, I love Elias, too. What's that? I hated him in NXT. I, just I hated the drifter. I hated the drifter. The just drifter. You know, drifting in the background. I just, I just didn't, didn't get it. Didn't get it. But, you know, I feel like he's such a commodity now. He's such a good heel that yeah. it, what in the past year, well, let's just say past six months, we've seen him in the ring actually performing what three, four times, maybe. Yeah. You know? That's the best career to have though. I mean, no, he's not right. getting all beat up like these other guys and he's still getting all the heat in the world. Now yeah. all he's got to do is make sure he sells some t-shirts and he's over for the rest of time. I just I want the Halloween episode. Him. If there is a Halloween episode, I just want him to dress up as macho man because he is a doppelganger. He truly is. Do the they need to have they need to have the next face of WWE dress as Vanilla Ice on the Halloween episode again. Yeah, because John, John Cena did it just. Guy. You know, did you guys talk about? You know, we're off topic here, but did you talk about uh, John Cena's hair already on this program? Ooh, we haven't. You I thought that John Cena recently just looks weird, crazy I mean, weird, right? JBL hair. It's not. It's the hair, and then. He's still yoked, but his body's shrinking, but his head's still staying the same size. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. He looks very like weird to me now. But I he's mean, also if, getting if, old. If they don't run with that, if they don't, if he doesn't pop in for the Halloween episode dressed as JBL, yeah, like um, be, it would be absolutely amazing. Although I do think that you know flying him all the way to Australia was an injustice for that pay per view to have him in the match for literally like a minute and a half for in front of those people. Um, but uh, I mean, but he's also a little bit rusty and I mean, it's, it's like, look, do you send him to get the pop and make the people feel like they got something, you know, cause he's a huge star or whatever, or do you leave him out of it because he's not really ready to go? I mean, was he in Japan already? Cause he's been training in Japan, hasn't he? Or China, China, China with China. Jackie yeah, Chan. So not yeah. And he, yeah, debuted, yeah, yeah, he debuted yeah, yeah. the sixth, the sixth move of Doom, or whatever. Yeah, the the, the push. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
It, I, I don't know. I think it was the right call, but it's still, it, I find everything about Cena these days to be odd. It, it was odd. It, it seemed like when people said the rumors that Ultimate Warrior had died and there was, an, there was another person that was in place of Ultimate Warrior, it kind of seemed like the same situation. I'm not quite sure that's John Cena. I don't know. I mean, I felt that way when we ran into yeah. him in a grocery store, but <laughs> but it was him. Was what he just loading up on prot? Loading up on protein? He was in a full yeah. suit um, in the women's hygiene department looking like to maybe buy something, but then didn't. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it a gigantic chalk stripe purple suit? It was It was close. <laughs> um, anyway, so... About him and Nikki Bella, do you think that whole breakup is real or is that gimmick? I think it's gimmick. I, I think you think it's really gimmick because they they already did that angle though. They're gonna do it twice because they broke up and got like back together, right? I feel like it's a a a shoot that turned into a work. I think that I think that he generally does have some issues with the whole thing and doesn't entirely want to do it. But then now he's making it seem like it's her. But there, <laughs> what, I, what I've read. Let's really get into this. What I've read is they were always still together. You know? I don't think I, I well, and people said that because they were both at the house still. Yeah, but it's a big enough house. You could probably fit. That's what I'm saying. It's huge. We live in Beverly Hills. It's fucking huge. Hmm. I don't know. But see, then this is what's interesting about the wrestling business. You never know. Like it's it's so carny that it could yeah. it could totally be a work. It could totally be a shoot. And at the end of the day. They're still not going to get me to watch uh, Total Divas or whatever. Um, they're not. That's just not my program, not my programming. And um, yeah. but I also find it interesting and intriguing. And if they do something with it that entertains me on the uh, the main shows, good, good, more power to them. Do you good think luck. they'll fly John Cena out to find the reporters' remains in Saudi Arabia? No. Wow. In Marine Seven. Wow. <laughs> oh, Marine Seven. Now, now we're talking Marine Seven. Now, <laughs> now Miz might do that because he's a saint. All right. This so anyway, Ricky Mundo. Out there. Ricky Mundo does some crazy weird <laughs> finish that I can't even describe on B. It's uh, a neck breaker driver. It's a dumb move. Uh Curtis Axel does it. It looked really dangerous, but B took it. And and B doesn't wrestle a ton. So, you know. He ain't exactly the, you know, always on top of his game. You know, he's he does a shoot job and does other things in life, too. And, like, seeing him do a spot like that, I was a little like, damn, B, you haven't wrestled in the last two months, man. Maybe you should not be doing crazy spots like that <laughs> right off the bat. But he took it, and Ricky, Ricky dealt it, and that was the spot that they were working up to to kind of get Ricky's character over um, leading into this big tie match. And then he, you know, Brenda being the bridesmaid, uh, you get a little bit of payoff for that because he put her in a, what was a crippler crossface? Yeah. Thing. Wait, I mean, he basically put her in a crossface and put her hand on his dick. That you're the, oh, I see. I didn't know that because I wasn't looking at Ricky's dick. The only way that you would know that is you had to already be looking at Ricky's junk. And I think it's you, Byron. I think it's you. You know, you see Brian Cage from backstage. I just, I just watch what the camera shows. Brandon, what do you have to say about that? All I got to say is, you know, dicks are big right now. They you are. Know? Actually, Brandon, yeah. Brandon can answer this now. Yeah. When you're shooting on your camera yeah. and Brian Cage goes up on a turnbuckle and he stood there. Yeah. Do you happen to notice anything? Does something show up a lot? No. It doesn't show up that much. 
No. I think it's Byron. I don't think Brandon's paying any attention to that. He frames the guy up. It's a low angle, and he gets the guy in the shot, and he does his job, and he walks away. Yeah. Byron is the only one afterwards that is still thinking about Cage's penis. And Casey, but you, you, we both but, were ringside, and his I've seen it myself. I have just shooting through his navy, his his baby blue tights. And there's this one picture of him from one of the earlier seasons of Lucha Underground. He's at the top of the stairs, and he's like. Who better than you know Cage or something at the top, and you can clearly see where the groin area was photoshopped, smoothed out. You know you what think? the answer to who better than Cage is, right? It's Canyon. Who, dude? <laughs> it's Canyon. I love that he does that. I love. I mean, I love Cage, and I love that Cage pays tribute to Canyon because Canyon was awesome. He was a great wrestler. He was great to his fans. He's um. Great. All right. So that basically that whole thing set up a match with. Taya and Ricky. It's the uh, the Wera Loca versus Creepy Dollfucker match uh, mm -hmm. that will also be at Ultima Lucha Cuatro. Um, and then that leads to this one of the surprise matches of the season, I think. Um, Reclusa versus Penta Pentagon Dark. I almost called him Penta yeah. El Cerro Miedo. That's a different. That's a different guy. <laughs> Pentagon Jr., also a different guy. Um, we were there for this match, I think, uh, all of us yeah. except Meatloaf. And I didn't know what to expect. I've always liked Chelsea. <laughs> I had never seen her wrestle against a, a guy before. And I didn't know what we would get. I didn't know if we were going to get a whole lot of Penta just protecting her and kind of doing all the work or, you know. But holy fuck buckets. I don't know if they spent a lot of time back in the back working on this thing or what but it is to date the hardest i've ever seen chelsea green go or mm -hmm. reclusa whatever you want to call her absolutely the heart and i've seen her go hard uh, especially with with a couple of the other girls that she's worked with a lot um but going with penta she went hard clearly she thought this was a big moment for her you could see it on her face uh i saw her backstage before and she was really excited about the match she was really into it and um she completely brought it. I was floored. Did not think that we were going to see that match. Did not think that was going to happen. It was shades of Taya and Cage, the, the match I mentioned earlier, um, where you get a female performer in there. And they don't get these opportunities very often. Like, Chelsea Green has turned herself into a top name on the indies. But at the same time, Pinta is absolutely the top, um, right up there with, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and uh, outside of WWE, Penta is probably number three or four in the whole world. Mm -hmm. um, and she really, I think, appreciated that and told herself, I'm not going to phone this in. I'm not going to just ask for some match where I'm getting protected the whole time. I'm not just going to do a bunch of soft spots. She's doing fucking dives. They're doing. She took a spike pile driver on the apron. She took the Penta driver on the apron. And then gets a kick out after it too, which is fucking amazing. And that's what I like about Lucha. They make women look strong. Like, especially at that night, reclusive. But um, that was her moment. And who not to, I mean, who's going to elevate her more than in this business than Penta right now? The way Penta works and did right place, right time. She knocked it out of the park.
Yeah, I, I was uh, I was really pleased. She should be very, very proud of herself. I don't know if the rumors are true about her going to WWE, but we'll cer- certainly love to have her stay in Lucha Underground. And if yeah. she goes to WWE, I hope they push her right to the top of the program almost immediately because I think she's probably more talented than at least 60% of those girls that are there right now. I mean, she's with Ryder, so I think it's inevitable she's going to go to. Well, yeah, and I think everyone everyone knew that it was inevitable, and I think everyone was surprised even that she came to Lucha Underground at all and that she didn't ah. just wait it out and go straight to WWE, that she would come and, and take bumps like that and do a performance like that. Um, but saying that, though, her performance, this is the best. No one's seen her perform on TV nationally, internationally, mm-hmm. like she did. With this, yeah, so this is part all, of I mean, all in was huge for her, but she also shared the ring with a few people and also wasn't a featured match compared mm-hmm. to well. And they know, also they didn't have the time to put the work into that match either. I think all those girls showed up that day and they did a little yeah. run through and then they just did the match. I feel and like this was, I feel like her and Pinta were in the back for a while with the agents working on this thing to make sure it, it came off like that. I can't see. I can't see this match being that good without that kind of time put into it, you know? And I know Penta this particular season too was there this weekend, I think longer than other ones where he just came in and out for shows and stuff. Um, I remember that he was around a lot more. So I'm hoping that that's part of why. And then, or that was part of the benefit of him being around more this particular week and that they actually got to put in more time. Yeah. Cause he came so, in pretty last minute on a few on uh, the weekend before this too. He came in really last minute and flew out like immediately afterwards for something else. Hmm. So do you think if Penta does in fact get called up, how are they going to deal with his style? I feel like most of his style with the package power driver and everything, all of his move set is going to pretty much change. The only thing that's going to stay is him peeling out the glove. That's the only thing Gonna They're going to love that. They're going to love that. If he can get a whole audience to shut up while he does a chest slap, um, they're going to love that. He's going to lose the, the Penta driver. Um, no, he can still do the... Um, the give him one. the Mexican destroyer one. one. He'll, he can still do the... What is it? Is it handle, handle, handle whatever? Yeah. Yeah, that's where he took someone to the package. Driver. Yeah, he can yeah. do the pump handle one, the pump yeah. handle driver yeah. thing. He can still do that. That's but that's legal. They will they not let him do the pent driver where he cradles the legs, the cradle pile driver. They will not let him do that. That's the one that package. Chelsea took on the apron. Yeah, that that was Kevin Owens. They, they might let they might let him do it on two hundred five. Maybe I swear I've seen do it really recently. I don't think, awesome but I also don't think they'll. I don't think they'll let him do it. They're going to do what they did with Shinsuke. They'll soften the move set. Um, they'll let him have enough of it so that it is it pays homage to what Penta formerly was. Yeah. Um, but they they will work him differently. You'll see a lot of uh, sling blades and stuff like that. And uh, everyone has sling blades, huh? He, like, Penta does like twelve of them in a match now. Have you seen yeah, the way he works now? It's like he runs the rope and sling blades people over and over again. It's like, no, especially when he's working with American workers where they don't understand what he's saying, he will do that over and over again. He'll, yeah. he'll do like three in a row. But they signed, like, they signed a bunch of wrestlers who all did sling blades. At, there was a minute where WWE had no sling blades. Then they signed like Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Those guys do all the same moves. Yes, and Penta will be in. Penta will be very similar to Finn Balor in his move sets. I think that they let him do. But I, I just don't. I'm, I'm scared for Penta because if he does in fact go, I, I don't think his English is crazy strong. So I, 
No, it's pretty good now. It's, it's getting better. Just from from what I've heard, being there ringside, it just it didn't seem very strong. So, but my problem is, I, I think that his actual English is getting better now. But he doesn't sound very tough when he speaks in English. He sounds a lot tougher and meaner when he speaks in Spanish. He sounds he a little pussified. What's that mean if you have a conversation with me? He can hold a conversation with me and I have a I can't even hold a conversation with you. How does that yeah, work? That's what I mean. Yeah. My like, favorite so, so maybe thing I'm is, in the middle. Well, so Penta speaks more English than you is what it is. So my favorite thing <laughs> yeah. is where Penta will be yelling for like a minute and a half. And then the subtitles underneath them will say, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> oh, yeah. He said, uh, I think he said more than that. He said something, puto chinga tu madre. And it, yeah. the translation on screen was, I'm going to break you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was funny. That's, yeah. I think they just do that to see if people like have a basic concept of Spanish swear words. Didn't take Tejano said, I'm going to split you in two in season two, didn't he? Season one or two? Tejano yeah. Tejano was the best. Tejano was a ghost this year. What a, we, uh, he, was, he was another victim of the visa thing, I believe. Oh, that's right. Okay, I didn't, working, know that. I didn't know that. He's working for um, t uh, Famous Bee down in Mexico. Yeah, Excellent. according according to, to uh, canon. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys missed out from uh, this season because of the, the – turnaround on the episodes and the the trump era and getting visas and uh we've talked about a little bit on the show about you know people who dislike lucha underground this season or have issues if it's because the product has gone a different direction or you know if it just never turned into what that they were looking for you know a lot of people were big fans have issues with lucha yeah. underground now and i i don't share those issues because I still find it to be highly entertaining for what it is. And I think that everyone involved in making it now has got a better understanding of what they have to work with. And mm -hmm. I know that there were a lot of grandiose plans the first couple of seasons. And, and I know, you know, the, the, I was sold on the EV dub vision of Lucha underground of we do 40 episodes a year, then maybe they get some touring in and the guys can do some stuff, but we go, we hit the Hammerstein ballroom type places and we go there for two days at a time, kind of like what impact is doing right now mm -hmm. um, where they take the show on the road in small bursts, but, but it's not, but that's not for TV. That's just to tour it a little bit and give everybody some money to work. Right. And, and that merchandise is awesome. And, and always, <laughs> which it got better over time that first couple of years was painful though but although um, at, at at ultima lucha quattro they still had shirts for ultima lucha tres they had no ultima lucha quattro shirts and all they had to do was like big block letters that just said ul4 and they probably could have sold at least 700 of them that day yeah you know, yeah. They, you know what they've been doing with that the past seasons they'll do the shirt with the matches and they'll put them up for sale once it's aired. But why? It's just free publicity for the match. I don't know. I have my... People, your, people are going to buy the shirt the to do with the event. They're going to buy it at the event, aren't they? You don't, yeah. You don't buy the shirt after. Because, oh, Woodstock happened. I'm going to buy a fucking shirt with Woodstock. Yeah. On well, and it's weird, though, but this, this goes back to the whole thing of Lucha Underground really being all these separate entities of being MGM and being El Rey Network and being Lucha Libre FMV and it's Dory and it's Evie Dub, it's Rodriguez, it's Burnett. It's like 
every guy gets their money from a different place. And it's really, that's really on Dorian. It's like, and Dorian, I think looks at Lucha underground and he doesn't see it like the live events in Mexico where he can really make money off a mask or a t-shirt because there's 500 people in a room. So he doesn't really, I don't think he really feels the onus to, to make that happen for those events. That's not really what it's about. Yeah. I think it's about like this product exists and that allows him credibility in the overall bigger world of television and wrestling. And it's not really about making the day-to-day money. Again, it's the difference between Lucha Underground being a TV show or being a promotion. You know, if you're a TV show, if you're Sons of Anarchy, you put out two Sons of Anarchy t-shirts and you make some money and you call it a day. You don't put one out for something cool that happens in one episode of Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. But you do put out a fucking Sons of Anarchy jacket because you know it's going to make money. And it's like, you know, there's the logo shirt for Lucha Underground. It's weird because Lucha Underground is just, it's not a wrestling promotion. It's a TV show. Yeah. And that makes it, I think that just makes it difficult. I don't know that the the powers that be up at the top of the ladder are ever going to have a cohesive enough unit to get together uh, you know, storyline and marketing and event promotion and have it all be one symbiotic thing. Which is sad because I agree with you that it is more of a TV program than it's promotion. But that's sad because I literally think it's the best televised action. Absolutely. In, it, it 100% is. So, I, I, you know, I, I wish that they would let the guys sell the T-shirts and stuff kind of PWG style you know, in that big waiting area. I, I wish that, you know, if Penna was selling his mask there, you'd see 50 masks in the, in the, in the arena. Well, so, his shirts had three. They, show, they sold them one weekend, and when he won the, the title, everyone was wearing them. The whole place is filled with them. Yeah. yeah. So, and I don't know why they don't do that. I don't know why there isn't a bigger presence of the, of the wrestlers selling their merch because then that would get them more jazz to promote, and it'd be a win-win for everybody. Well, and that's part of the thing, too. And I, I do believe that for the future of Lucha Underground, that kind of indie credibility is going to be more necessary now. Because I think everyone knows that that Lucha Underground isn't going to turn into this big touring promotion. Yeah. Uh, you know, big stars are going to come in and out. People are going to make a name for themselves in Lucha Underground. Then they're going to be gone. It's not going to be, you know, this thing where there's this huge locker room that sticks around for 20 years because there's just not enough work. One one month of work a year isn't going to do that. And yeah. Dub, I think, was right. And those guys were right to loosen up on the contracts, let these guys work, let them make money elsewhere um, so that they keep good relations with the rest of the wrestling world to do stuff with impact and other wrestling companies. Totally smart move. But yeah. at the same time, to make that really work and to capitalize on it. You got to get whatever, whoever is in the locker room. And a lot of them are still really excited about it. I mean, you, you see how excited Sammy Guevara was to come into Lucha Underground? Capitalize on that. He's got a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. Let, let him go out there and promote a certain way. Let him come and sell T-shirts and be the excited new young kid on the block that, you know, is going to catch hard shots from the boys in the back because he's green. You yeah. know, <laughs> whatever. But, but I, do, I do think Sammy Guevara is the biggest heel in PWG. He's he is amazing. hated. Yeah. He's hated in that room. Um, 
And then, but then he comes to Lucha Underground. He does that amazing moonflip onto Swagger, onto Strong. Strong, yeah. And uh, he was over at that moment, and he got killed. But you know, well, of course. And and I think it made it hard for DJ too. Like, fuck, what do I do with this guy? Is he's he's kind of over here, and he's a heel everywhere else. Like, yeah. and they let him come in as himself because I guess he was he was one of the short notice guys that that filled in when all the visas didn't come through. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I just think I think that. Lucha Underground is going to need to invest a little more going forward in their indie credibility. I think that's going to be an important factor for the uh, season five that has been announced by uh, Ricky Reyes. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you guys I, I, get I this? Say, I will. I will say. I, I mean, I don't know if that's worth anything going over. But uh, one of the charms of season one was was part of that indie feel where everyone was coming in and it's like you're getting to see all these amazing wrestlers of so the next week and you're like oh i see one of them in a, in a parking lot i'm gonna go buy some merch and like i bought a pentagon mask or casey bought a pentagon mask from pentagon in the parking lot i wasn't right. there that weekend i was in new york that weekend but uh but you could do that then and it was fun and that's a appeal pwg and the indie shows you get to go shake their hand take the mark photo buy the shirt from the wrestler. Right. And when there's only four or 500 people coming to the tapings anyway, and they're all standing around and you've got kind of a small captive audience that is really into your product. Everyone is there yeah. for your product. They're they not just going because they got a ticket. It's not WWE. Um, not a room full of 14,000 people. It's 500 people that actually want to be there. You should absolutely be doing that. Or, or making a way for certain people to do that. Like have a VIP line for 50 people that get to go to a signing every time, you know, our special tickets that get given away to the best fans, whatever. It's just going to make the crowd hotter. It's going to make people care about it more. And it's going to give the show more indie cred. And, you know, if somebody is out there on Twitter the next week, selling that signed poster or autograph thing or showing it off on their Instagram or whatever, that's only going to get seen by other wrestling fans and probably real wrestling fans. And that's only going to help the product. It's only going to help the ratings go up, help keep the, the stability there, keep the workers happy about yeah. doing it so that they don't want to revolt and leave anymore. Let me, let me get, let me get Eric on the phone. Let me get Eric on the yeah. phone. Eric. I don't know how the um, American, like the, how it works at shows where you guys go to, but like, so the last one I went to, what they do is you can get in like an hour early. Yeah. And no, they, I, I did that. Do like the meet and greet. So, so there's, so you pay, so that's like 35, 32, 50 dollars. This is from mask buying. I know all my conversions. Um, and you wait in a line, you go through and then you work your way down all the wrestlers and you get, a, they give you a poster. You get that signed by all the wrestlers apart from El Fantasma. Cause he's a dickhead. Um, not El Fantasma, not, not, not El Fantasma, El Fantasma, who's a Canadian wrestler. Okay. Gimmick yeah. steel. Not El Hijo. Um, Justin, I did that at no, SW. That, it was cool. El Hijo, El Fantasma is my boy. Good. Um, I literally own, um, when you say, years. when you say he's your boy, that means you're his girlfriend, right? Yeah. Just to be clear. No. Yes. That's Verdad. Your Cuerno's girlfriend. It's fine. That's Verdad. <laughs> He's got a great body. I've got the ring gear for this season of Lucha Underground now. Yeah, no, a lot of places are like that. A lot of shows do that. We did that at FSW, um, Byron and I, and it was, you know, it was kind of in the hallway to the main place where you everyone gets in. So um, 
there was a pre meet and greet thing for, you know, people who bought the VIP tickets where you get a photo and everything just as part of your admission. And then there was a regular early access where, you know, everyone was lined up, but if you were going to get a photo, you're supposed to pay the guys for it or whatever, and you get a signed poster or whatever. Um, but you worked the whole line and, you know, we had Matt Hardy there that day and Willie Mack and Sammy Callahan and a, AR Fox was there. Um, Fox was there. Cage and Melissa. Cage, Mundo and Taya were there. They were cool. Um, we totally no sold uh, uh, Davey Boy. I, I sell. I know sell. I feel bad, but I feel I have to every single time. I have to no sell him at those at MLW. He was there, and when I was at the the big event that's in Queens, it's coming up again. It's like where everyone is there at their gimmick tables, and I have to just. I like his work, but I have to just walk by him like I don't care who he is. Davey Boy, Smith Junior. Yeah. Yeah. Like the thing we started that night. We started it. It's a thing. I, we have no idea. We just totally no sold the shit out. Probably because AR Fox was was right there. We wanted to go talk to AR. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I love his work. And at the MLW show, I tweeted him afterwards that he had the match of the night and he liked it or something. But in person, I don't know. But I tell you, I went to the MLW thing and it was weird. It was not set up where they were all around you going line. So like Joey Ryan was out first. And Harry and Simon Grimm were out. And Simon Grimm was just standing around talking to people. He was cool. Um, I didn't go up to him, though. But I went up and talked to Joey Ryan for a minute. And he was, like, super cold. And then I felt like, oh, like, these guys don't want me to waste time if I'm not buying something from them. So yeah. then I just yeah. hung out and talked with fans instead. I was like, you're, getting, you're getting in the way of their 25 bucks, man. You just got to. I paid, I paid a lot extra for that. And then I felt like, well, yeah, oh, but you still don't want to talk to like, like you, you, you're paying for the access to go and buy more stuff from them. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah and get it, it there before it sells out. That's the thing. The thing mm. is, um, I, I feel really bad because whenever I go to these English shows, like obviously like Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven are there and I just walk straight past them and I just go straight to Luchadors. Well, because they're, they're the regular know. blokes for you. I mean, they're there all the time, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. The thing is, I, 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 I honestly, I like, don't really talk to them. I just like go, oh no, I'll go in Luchadors and I'll go and stand there and have a chat for like 10 minutes or something with them. Yeah, I was talking then, to like, Meef. Kind of I thought Meef and I were talking because I thought Phoenix was going to be at the show, at the MLW show. Yeah. And I was thrilled because I was going to try and buy a mask from him then. But it got switched into Daga because of a match or something, whatever. Hmm. And he was, he was in, in Germany. Phoenix was in he was Germany. In Germany. So, um, so I was bummed and then like, but LA park was there. So maybe if LA but, park showed up for the meet and greet, I would have been able to, <laughs> you don't like LA park. Oh, oh, no, no, he doesn't like you for getting LA to see park. LA park. LA park was a meet and greet. First of all, LA park and his, took over like the whole stairwell as their locker room. They do whatever they want. It's amazing. And then he had this yeah. match. I didn't know PCO was a thing until like two weeks ago. And then a week ago I saw him. <laughs> And the park, LA Park, just tear it up. It was the best. LA Park's he, always been. He has a legit. Have you seen the scar on PCO's chest? Do you know where that comes from? What, what's it come from? Is he, he a, a soldier from the future? No, 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 no. He got a surgeon to cut it open for a promo. So he had his chest legitimately surgically opened. What the? So fuck? when he was cutting a promo, it was yeah. Why would you pay a surgeon to do that when you could just call New Jack? Cafe, yeah. cafe. I think he had a friend, yeah. Like someone was, t- someone was telling me about this. Like literally, that's what he did. It was like, what the fuck? 
Um, all right, look, I gotta, out, so I gotta wrap up talking about this episode because I got a couple other things I gotta talk about, oh, and yes, I gotta get some food. Um, well, let's talk about the ending of this thing. Uh, gasoline. Let's talk gasoline. Yeah. What the gasoline? fuck? The whole temple smelled like gasoline the whole day. Yeah, that's true. And it's a uh, tinderbox. Everything you were sitting on was soaked in soaked in gasoline earlier in that day. I don't understand what was going on. And maybe you could shed some light on this because there was a legit gas smell in the, the, the room in the ring, but I don't think that was real gas that was poured at the end yet. All of uh, there was a lot of people that were genuinely worried that there was going to be a real fire spot. I don't know if there was plans on a real fire spot that got the plug well, got pulled. Right. Now I am remembering that, but that was more like a propane smell. I don't know what it was, but before the gas can actually even came out, People were talking about how they were worried about the gas smell and people were telling security and whatnot. And then Martin comes out with a gas can. and Everyone's like, oh, no, what the this is. Did this turn into XPW? What is happening here? What's it? Pentagon's gas can when he tried to light Vampiro on fire. That was awesome. Are you gonna, it looks like you're about to elbow, elbow your cat. Top rope. No, she's snoozing right there. Billy Fever's going to get some bows dropped. Anyway, the whole end of this was very tense. Uh, I liked what was going on uh, with the tax and the barbed wire baseball bat. It pretty much yeah. screams like, if you don't want to see the Sierra Meadow match, then you're there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great when Marty dropped a knee or a barbed wire shot on Pentagon and ended up just planting his whole palm in the tax. Oh, by himself yeah he can't not he can't not bump too hard at some point in time yeah i think i think you know penna is is cerro miedo but i truly think marty is cerro miedo because yeah. yes there, there's a match this season that the director was very worried that he was going to like possibly bleed out because yeah. um he just goes for it marty goes for it man and does he wagner it? Well, and I've had this conversation so that's, with Marty. That's the, that's the official bar now, isn't it? I, I mean, we've had I've had this conversation with Marty. Like, Marty will do things like in a, you know in a lumberjack match, he'll be off on the side mm-hmm. bumping when there's no camera around, and only three people are in the whole arena are watching him, and he will bump oh. harder than than he does on camera. Like people well, just we don't understand. If he's oh, putting on a show, he doesn't have a way to keep himself from absolutely putting on the best sh- of what he thinks is a show. He's, now, maybe this is... Yeah. Though, isn't he? Well, it was, so he's got that actor's mentality of... But know, it was like he's Ultimate Lucha 1, there was a big match, like a big battle royal or something. Right. And that's when we, like, that's when we first noticed how legit he was when he was taking headfirst bumps in the walls and into the, into mm-hmm. the stairs. or With whatever, no cameras on him. No mm-hmm. cameras. He's just headfirst bumping. Someone touches him, boom, and he's going hard. We're like, oh wow. Yeah, I've and seen him go into those bleacher steps a couple times too when there are no cameras on him and just yeah. like, wow, I'm, bro. I remember watching uh, Marty talk over a spot with Vampiro and what he wanted to do. And Vampiro, you know, I don't know if you call him like a hardcore legend, but he's done some some crazy stuff. And he had to keep dialing Marty back because Marty just wanted to go so heavy and so deep with things and get blood and take a bump like this instead of taking a bump like this. And Vampiro had like, you know, what do you, what do you do in your body? Don't do, don't do that. It was, it was very strange having like a king of darkness, you know, <laughs> talk, talk him off the ledge, 
And wow. given Martin doesn't wrestle as a lot as some of these other guys, so he doesn't take the the daily wear and tear that a lot of these performers do. Um, but at the same time, oh my god, the dude's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And you guys gotta watch the rest of the season because his craziest moments are still to come. And it's not it's not a secret. It's not going to be a secret that he's got some ridiculous shit coming up. And it's part of the reason why they put the belt on him. It mm-hmm. really is because. He, he put the time and effort into it, and he's willing to, to go the extra mile, and we just have to keep him from going too far. <laughs> but the good thing is, since he was on this show last week and Lucha Underground was already taped, everyone at least knows that he lives. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was like the, that was like after the one uh, Ultima Lucha. Um, all of a sudden, Marty's hair is really short. Oh, and yeah. And a few months later, you're like, oh, he's in a hair match. <laughs> like oh this all makes kind of sense you can only protect it so much mm-hmm. <laughs> um so i gotta I ask you guys the... go ahead so i was just gonna say he I, I have to say i always say it repeatedly because i think you need saying for him he's, he's the guy who uh, pentagon became massive from it from lucha underground there's you know mm-hmm. that whole gimmick just took off like wow like mm-hmm. wildfire but marty when he turned up i was like what the fuck Mm-hmm. And I didn't think anything of him and his character work and effort and everything he's put into that character. Just the whole shebang has just been amazing. Like watching him, if you were going to go back now and watch it as like a timeline, I yeah. think it'd be so amazing to. It's just what he's put in and everything like that. It's just. And that's why I, I wish that Lucha Underground would get. That's uh, why I wish Lucha Underground would get a green light faster every season because. You know, Chelsea could be that right now. You know, if but this we're towards the end of the season and she's just getting this push now. And same with Cross. And it's just like, oh fuck, can they can they get these people back next year when they do this again? Yeah, that's uh, the scary part. Yeah, and it's like because you see the potential there. Like if the reclusive character is back, oh my god, what the hell could you do with her now? Mm-hmm. What can you do with with Cross as the white rabbit going forward with with cannon stuff and ring work? You know, he's barely touching the ring. So yeah. far this season, you're just getting kind of a little taste of it. And you see what he can do over an impact and other things. But just like Penta, the version of the character that you get in Lucha Underground is a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing for Chelsea. Chelsea. She's not the hot mess. She's this other evil kind of crazy woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with Cross, you know, you've got Cross being this, this ultimate hitman guy in these other places. But... He's got supernatural capabilities in Lucha Underground. Like, oh, what can yeah. they do when you combine that with the the insanity of Paul London and DJ's writing and yeah. Cross's wrestling and mean faces and his promo skills? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you want to see what they can do with these guys. And but keeping these guys around is going to be hard. Yeah. You know, uh, Cross came straight from a WWE Performance Center tryout to Lucha Underground. Yeah, they know who the hell he is. They know who Chelsea Green is because her boyfriend is there. You know what I mean? The, the, you can't keep these guys under wraps forever. Um, so we'll, we'll enjoy them while we have them. Right. And let's just yeah. hope because I like I like the way those characters build. And and Martin is a great example of what they can do given the time. We talked about with Ricky Mandel. I think mm-hmm. given the time, those people can be elevated to something greater, to something bigger. Um, I even think Shane Strickland, um, as much as he was getting over his swerve and doing a swerve gimmick before he came to Lucha Underground, now he's one of the top guys on the indies. Yeah. And 
know, right a lot of people didn't make much out of the kill shot character, but that was part of the onus of what did it was coming into that locker room, feeling the respect from the locker room, whether he was getting a ton of camera time on Lucha Underground or not. And then, you know, his indie career just started to take off. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that he built those relationships in that Lucha Underground locker room and took them to those other promotions, you know, and now he's a fucking superstar and he's probably on their radar. You know, all these guys are. He calls himself the the ace of MLW, which I don't know if that's a Tanahashi reference. But, <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah, like on the indies, like the shows he goes to, he or works at, he's their top star. And his acting, it, his character work is top-notch, and you got to think that the creative focus that Lucha Underground uh utilizes mm -hmm. has to have been a huge effort because on the indies it's like make your face sell your shirt do your do your 10 finish you know spots and but there's no focus there's no direction like and that's something like we we talked about how there was a bit of a problem with cage with how great he was but you know he's kind of like he's the moves he's not over it like we're you know you, you want to see him do the moves but he doesn't have like the character that you want to win. Whereas like Killshot, he has a, he has a background. He, it comes through and his matches comes through and his mannerisms and his, it's all focused for the character and a story. He went and story. look, Shane Strickland went and learned how to have star power. Yeah, he absolutely learned it. I saw the guy three, four years ago. He was great. He was very interesting. He was not a star. Did he, he take learn how to have a star? I don't know. A lot of those guys do. And, yeah. and they're smart if they do. Um, but he, he learned to have it. All right. So I got to talk about the, the best dive of the week. Um, and it does not come from pro wrestling. It comes from Khabib, the Eagle, Nurmagomedov, and his top of the cage dive into the crowd to whoop on Dylan Dennis. And I don't know if you guys saw any of what transpired. This was a great card. Uh, everything was amazing. Everything that came out of Derek Lewis's mouth was a uh, uh, genius. <laughs> My balls was hot. My balls was hot. And then this whole, no, Joe Rogan, I talked to Donald Trump and he said I had well, whatever he was talking. All amazing. He gained like a million followers on Instagram. And if you're not following his Instagram, you should be one of the, the two million that joined this week because... It's all Look, hilarious. Amazing. We gotta go. He he. We gotta. He had like twenty seconds worth of gold sound bites. We had to go through all of them. One Rogan's like, so everyone's saying you have to challenge for the belt now. He's like, what? With my, I got nothing in my gas tank. I got. I ain't like Joe, nothing. I'm just trying to take a nap. Like what? <laughs> it's like I'll come on your podcast two weeks, smoke some weed. Oh, which is hilarious because <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but they did give him the title match. He is fighting Daniel Cormier now for the title. Cormier is not fighting Brock Lesnar. Uh, oh, he's not? Not current. Not that's not the next fight scheduled. It's Derek Lewis. It's Derek Lewis versus DC um, at the the in a month in New York at two thirty, like the next UFC pay per view. Um, they didn't have a headliner. Um, I think that that DC was like, okay, he's beat up and tired and clearly doesn't have the cardio, so I don't mind fighting him if that's who you want to put in front of me instead of Brock and. I think, you know, Derek Lewis is kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to fight right now, but it's it's a lot of money and it's a title shot and I could always win with one punch. So fuck it. So those yeah. these two guys are headlining the next UFC now. 
Derek Lewis talked himself into with that promo, talked himself into a title fight that was not there, that did not exist for him, that was not an option. He was going to have to wait it out or maybe get an interim belt while DC fought Brock. And that wasn't going to be until like January. And then DC was probably going to retire. DC, DC's plan was to fight Brock and then maybe John Jones or maybe Gustafson, whoever wins that fight, and then most likely retire in March. And instead, now he's fighting Derek Lewis, who, by the way, is out of shape as he is, as hard as he's coming off a fight that he almost lost, really could win with one punch. The dude is not called the Black Beast for nothing. That punch that he won that fight with was fucking ridiculous. He I was. Like a, I feel like I want a Black Beast T-shirt. You got to. I mean, he was ten seconds away from losing that fight, and he was getting whooped on by Drago. He was getting whooped on by a giant Russian man in a brutal fashion. He had no business winning that fight. Won the fight in the last ten seconds with a knockout, and went on to cut the best promo in wrestling or MMA or anywhere all week, better than Khabib and Connor shit. Absolutely stunning, amazing stuff. But still, not to be outdone by Khabib the Eagle, <laughs> Nurmagomedov, <laughs> flying out of the cage like he was going to actually fight a bear after the fight. Like, you've won the fight. Do you not understand? The guy what? talked all kind of smack about you, your religion, your country, your people, your fighting. Talked all kind of shit, and then you humiliated him. You yeah, it was an easy win. You beat the piss out of him. There was not going to be a rematch. There was not going to be any more talk of it. He was going to be out of your life. He was sobbing quietly into a pillow in the corner at the end of the match, talking about reevaluating his life goals. You know, clearly, oh, clearly lost the fight. Yeah, I, think, I think when he when he jumped out of the ring, he was just auditioning for Lucha Underground. I, I, let's hope. <laughs> I come, I come fight with bears, Lucha Underground. Yeah, I mean, give, give him a bear. That video is amazing, by the way. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, what's the video of him fighting a bear? Tell yeah. fighting a bear. He'll, he'll do it. That's amazing. Single leg grabs, and yeah. the bear's like, no. I think the only two men crazy enough in the world to actually want to fight a bear are probably Khabib Nurmagomedov and and Josh Barnett. Because Josh Barnett is just that gimmick. Which I got, I got a little inside information, by the way, over this past week about that uh, josh barnett you know when when jay white knocked yeah into, that was legit that was un unplanned and josh barnett truly was walking around that ring trying to kill jay white he, that was all unplanned and josh barnett is that kind of crazy guy. like when josh barnett says things like i don't know about mma you know maybe i'll retire from that and go do like some real death matches in thailand or japan or something he's not kidding Josh is a really nice kind of guy, but he's there's also something loose in here. And Frank Mir's a little bit that way too. Like Frank Mir will just break a guy's arm and just kind of stand there, like, "Oh yeah, I kind of, <laughs> yeah your your arm's broken." Which is I the scariest thing? Which, which is even scarier than them being all hyped up about it. Yeah, and Barnett's Barnett is absolutely one of those, and people think it's a joke. It is not a joke. If Josh Barnett looks at you one day and says, "I'm going to wrestle an alligator." Back the fuck up because he's going to go wrestle alligator. Do you think he should still do commentary on on Axis? I liked it when he wasn't. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Josh Barnett should do at this point in time. I mean, he got out of his UFC contract. He's got kind of the world at his feet again, um, and he's only got a couple years left to still be crazy. So Josh Barnett should just go and be crazy for a couple of years. Then he should calm down. Then he should take the announcing jobs and sit at a desk and chill the fuck out. 
for the Speaking rest of the time. Speaking of crazy, can I ask you what you think of Fedor and Chael Sonnen? I think Chael has always been a better talker than fighter, and Fedor put it on him <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as he deserved. I mean, did you see the footage afterwards where – He's like hugging Fedor or whatever. And they're talking, and then Fedor gives him a jacket, and they're just, Chael's just like, "Yeah, man, you wow, well, that thing you did with my face. Let's not ever do that again." <laughs> like, no, I, I read some of the, his post-fight comments. He's like, "Everything that Fedor did hurt." Yeah, I mean, and, and that was all legit. And I don't think that Chael went in there not thinking that he he could have found a way to win. Um, but he came up against a guy who was definitely better than him, definitely bigger. He felt his power the whole time. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, Chael had a lot of respect for Fedor. Fedor, they, do you, Fedor went away for fears, right? Uh, F yeah, Fedor's been in and out because Fedor never went away. Fedor just, you know, he had his contracts through that M1 global company for a long time, and they were kind yeah. of managing in him a certain way for certain amounts of money. Um there's been talk that some of his Japan stuff may have been fixed, may not have been. Nobody really knows. Um, but towards the end of when Japan kind of dried up for him, he just didn't do anything until M1 started running stuff in Russia. But then his contract with them was up, and then that's when the Bellator thing happened. So then now you see a lot more Fedor. Um, it's a shame because I think business um, and, and Fedor letting other people run the business of Fedor Emelianenko cost him – a chance to be a, a, as big a name as he could have been. Well, um, if he had gone to like, the UFC yeah. back in the day when it when there was really still a chance, he would have had to take a, a tremendous pay cut, but he could have done it on a two or three fight deal. And for his overall legacy and for his pocketbook down the road, I mean, he could be looking at Connor kind of money right now had he done that. He would have been the biggest yeah. star. He would have been Brock Lesnar before Brock Lesnar. Well, they well, they were trying to work a fight between him and Brock, right? Or that's the fantasy. Like as far as like I'm there was all a, sorts of fantasies. Him and Randy yeah. Couture, him and Brock, him yeah. and him and a couple of those guys. I mean, um, well, I'm a real casual fan, and to me, Fedor was always the unofficial heavyweight champ. Right. He, he always seemed like the best, and only if so, it was like a wish, if only someone could fight him. But that UFC. was. But that's part of why he needed to come to the UFC because. The yeah. drug regulations were stricter. I mean, in Japan, in, in the early days of Pride, there was no re regulations against steroids or all sorts yeah. of performance enhancers. Um, and so nobody knows. Uh, and there's also there was also no commission regulating the fights. So they, they could have been worked. People don't know if early Pride was works or all real. And there's some fights that are that people have said were clearly works, but not all of them. So it's like there were some fights where they're like, get a guy to come in and they would say, OK, well, you're but you're going to do this. You're going to fall down, whatever, you know, and say so we actually go out there and punch each other and do real MMA. But at the same time, eventually yeah. one of them was going to give up and let it happen. Um, and pan craze was the same way. Some of it was yeah. shoot. Some of it was work. And nobody knows. And that but the, the problem for Fedor is because he never did a run in the UFC, even though he's doing legit stuff now with Bellator and he did with Strike Force. It never gave him the, the legitimacy that he should have had in his career. And even to this day, even at 44 or whatever he is, I still think when his Bellator contract is over, he should try to go and do one fight with the UFC. Mm -hmm. Do you think one. as a heavyweight, he's one of the most durable heavyweights too? Because they all seem to, they all like the ones that win, they seem to somehow get hurt almost right away. 
Well, I mean, they're big, tough guys that are doing something yeah. overly athletic for their size, you know, and it's 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 tough on them. I mean, it's the same way as, you know, these big wrestlers and their knees go. But you know? does Fedor, Fedor hasn't really – or he doesn't fight often enough to, for it to be noticeable. Yeah, uh, he has in the last few years. I mean, he's fighting a lot. He's fought yeah. four or five times in the last two years. So now he's on a regular schedule like most MMA fighters since he joined Bellator, and they're paying him for it, and he's very happy with it. And he's taking some losses and he's taking some wins. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. All right, guys. Well, that's about all I have. Anybody else want to add anything? Brandon, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, just uh, Ryan Baxter, Reenactor on iTunes. That's really the only thing, you, only outlet for me right now. And uh, I guess we'll all be looking for WOW when it comes on Access. Do we even know? Yeah. Do we have a date of yeah, airing for I that? Think, I think it said January 19th. Okay. So oh. WOW will start airing then. Um, contender, the contenders on epics right now. And I think there's a couple episodes left before the finale. And of course, Lucha underground, a few more episodes left and hopefully Brandon will survive them and not have to take any more bumps. <laughs> well, you know, if they, if they, if they bump me, maybe I'll get a bump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should be asking for that next yeah. season's contract, <laughs> which according to Ricky Reyes is happening. Um, uh, I just no, like Ricky. reporting that. I'm going to ask Evie Dub for an. I didn't even bother to email or text Evie Dub to ask for a comment on that because, from everything I understand, is that yes, everyone at El Rey would love another season of Lucha Underground. Budget has not been approved yet. Therefore, no funds have been released. Therefore, visas have not been gotten. Storylines have not been solidified because they don't know what talent's coming or a date or a place or a venue. So. It can be a green light all day long. The network can say yes all day long, but until they start paying somebody to go and actually do it, the show is not officially back. Yeah, and they me. were going to, last time I heard, they were going to demo that ice house that we just shot the season in. Is it, has yeah. that happened yet? Um, I don't think it's demoed yet. Um, I, from talking to EB Dub, even on this show, I don't think he necessarily wants to go back as, as good as some of the things were there, the leaky ceiling and some of the other things I think bothered him enough that he, he said flat out, he'd rather go back to the old temple if possible. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't think he's going to do what he did for season four, which was to reserve it for a whole bunch of time that they never used it for and then still not get it at the end. I don't think he's going to waste that money again. So yeah. I think they'll wait for a green light. And then once a green light happens and now that they know that Lucha Underground can pretty much exist anywhere. Um, they'll secure a venue and a time and a date and a place after El Rey says, okay, your budget of such and such per episode is officially approved and here's the release of funds and go make a show. So yeah, I think that I, I love Ricky Reyes, but I, I think that he does not quite understand entirely how a TV show gets made and, and how these yeah. things work. So I've, I've heard other people on other podcasts also say, season five blah, blah blah and also be like also talk about we got a new venue you're gonna like it and it's all this like unofficial just unofficial stuff and i but but i do believe i do believe that the, the one thing you should take away from that is that there probably is going to be a season five i have yeah. not been given any reason to yeah. believe that there won't be a season five it's just very simply i think el ray is going to wait until the new books of 2019 like most TV networks and production companies do. They're going to wait to the new year um, because that's when things get real green lights, when they have money. When they're not huge networks, that's how it works. For reality TV level budgets, they get a budget. It gets approved. It's usually early in the year. I'm imagining it'll be sometime after January 19th when everyone gets back to their offices after the holidays. 
Um, sometime in February, they'll probably approve something and then Lucha Underground can get up and running again. But, but I don't think that sometimes there's burn off money um, and something will get a late year approval because they're trying to clear money from the books. I don't believe that uh, El Rey Network is the kind of network that has that kind of excess sitting around where they need to clear money off the books. So I'm, I'm personally not anticipating it until the start of the new year. And I think very quickly after that, as soon as they see what kind of money uh, Univision and their parent companies are giving them, they will more than happily um, pass that money along to Lucha Underground to keep it as one of the flagship shows on the El Rey Network. I think they'll do that for two more seasons after that, even because the contracts are already in place. And that is real talk of how the television business really works. So I think it'll happen. They'll get that money. And I think that anyone that is reporting that it is official right now is absolutely incorrect. <laughs> did, did this newest season officially make you want to drink more Modelo? I do drink more Modelo. I absolutely oh, I actually do. Anyway. I, I drink. Um, I always loved it. I know I always liked it. But then the constant reminders and being there and knowing that they support a product that I like made me want to support them more. And I never disliked their product. So I was like, oh, I'm happy to drink this shit. I'll drink it all day long. I'm, right. I'm all for it. I think Modelo alone can just fund this this show until all eternity. You they know, should. Bagel Bites. Modelo and Bagel Bites. Oh, those, those Bagel Bites. Back. <laughs> I mean, it's worth the price of admission to VIP alone. Yeah, just what, what, for the free Bagel Bites. Yeah. Do, do you guys have uh, sponsors? Or do we have to read a sponsor thing on... on we don't currently have any sponsors. We've, we've had a few come in and out. Um, Hollywood liberal wants to plug his trip to New York City for Mania Week, okay? And I still want to dump in Byron's toilet. That's good. I'm just going back to the chat real quick to see, because uh, I missed you guys for a little bit here. Zeus King's been hanging. Is. Did they say anything disparaging about my hair? They uh, like it. No. Paul Cross says he likes it. Hollywood liberal. That's Brandon, isn't it? I don't know who that is. Yes. Oh, I don't know about Selena De La Renta getting signed with the Lucha Brothers, but I like her when her knees are working. And I don't mean that in a gross way. I mean, like, literally, she keeps having knee injuries. Yeah, no, she's getting better. Uh, when I saw her at MLW, she had a cane. She wasn't limping, though. Is oh, she, she, does she have a lawyer gimmick? She's a manager. She's yeah. like a heel manager and, and has a stable. So like she has like stable, yeah. you know, But does like she always part. wear like a, like a black pantsuit and like a white stuff like that? Yeah, she might change it up. But yeah, I think I just, yeah, I think I just did some stuff with her. Um, yeah, she's around uh, quite a bit and doing a lot of Rather things right now. Oh, this is a good point by Zero Cool that all the women that want to go to WWE should just uh, let Pendle wrestle them and guaranteed signing like uh, like the uh, the Black Lotus yeah. Tribe and now Chelsea and <laughs> apparently women that wrestle against Penta get to go to the E. People That's still bizarre. talk about the Black Lotus Triad. Like they oh, were yeah. they were there for like three shows or whatever. They weren't even. They were there one weekend, and then they were in. They were in Vegas on the Friday night. They showed up at Lucha Underground on the Saturday, mm -hmm. did and some spots, Sunday. and then they did the match on Sunday, and that was it. <laughs> but it was so impactful, and but yeah, look at her, like Kyrie Sane and uh, Hirokiri. Hirokiri, is that her name? Yo, Yo, yeah, Hirokiri uh, was her Lucha name, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I wish they would come back. I wish they would. 
quit their high paying full time wrestling job to work the one month a year at Lucha Underground. At Lucha Underground? Wow. I, wish I, could, I wish I could do that. I wish I could just quit everything. And work. I wish I could. If, you, if you talk to DJ, I'm trying to get on creative. I want to get I on creative. I can't. No. I, I can't talk to DJ. I, what happens is I respect the DJ guy, compliment the guy too much, and he got annoyed because I was always so nice to him and he blocked me on Twitter. Byron, there's a difference between a compliment and a backhanded compliment. Mm. If you say someone looks nice in that suit and they're actually wearing shorts, a tank top, and flip flops, I think that they know you're being facetious. That's not what I said. But like, I mean, but it's the kind of thing red. you say. Like I constantly talk about how good DJ's writing is, considering how well he does, you know? For, you know. But see, then you said the considering thing. What? I'm complimenting. I'm, what's I'm what's a huge what's fan. But what, what are you considering while you're saying that? Huh? No, he does really well with what he has. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> you just, I mean, there's what? a shovel. There's a shovel and you're using it. I'm a big fan of his and I really respect him a lot. And uh, no, I do. I mean that in all seriousness. But he's mean to me. No, I, I like travel a lot. But DJ's mean to me a lot, and he blocked me because he likes being mean to me. But, you know, I have thick skin, and I have a healthy self-respect, so I'm okay with it. Are you going to be okay? Yeah. Are you, you promise? You promise you're going to be okay, Byron? Can you tweet, at, <laughs> you, can you tweet something at DJ for me, any of you? I don't know if I want to yeah. get into this, man. Like, me and DJ are in a really, really good place right now, bro, and I just don't know I just, that I want to do that for what? you. I just want you to tell him that I like his headphones. No, no, number one, I don't, I don't do Twitter, number one. Number two, I don't want to jeopardize my ch possible chances of ever getting uncreative by mentioning your name to DJ. Oh. Like ever. Like don't even do it. Oh, yeah. Just take him Red yeah, Vines and Jägermeister and, yeah. and just you take DJ Red, Red Vines, Jägermeister, and come with a notepad, and I bet you'll be uncreative in no time. <laughs> We went to high school together, actually. Oh, for real? Yeah, in Vegas. He was a, he was a grade above me, and I didn't we didn't run with the same circles, but uh, found out afterwards that we went to the same Ve Vegas high school. Wow. Wow. So you got the real in. Now you just yeah. got to write a great gimmick for whatever four wrestlers that he gets visas for next year. What you got to do is you got to have storylines and gimmicks for like four white wrestlers as backups oh. for when the Mexican wrestlers – aren't allowed in the country again and they need last minute. Well, that's stories. true because he's already got the storylines written for like the seven guys he wants to come up from AAA, and he's yeah. had them written for a long, long freaking time. <laughs> and he's probably sitting in a room right now, scared shitless that somebody else is going to grab those guys. If they haven't already been grabbed somewhere because yeah. he had his eye on Bandita. various. Uh, yeah. The, the I'm Irish, sure Bandito's one of them. The mm -hmm. irony that DJ, who probably who's been working in AAA and been doing fantastic things, who probably has really really fantastic stuff written for these luchadors, and he can't actually use them because of the guy he voted for. Yes, <laughs> the irony. <laughs> That's as political as I want to get. Yeah. We don't have to get any more political. Anyway, I got to go. I got to get out of here. I got to eat some food. I got to do some things. I got to wake up early, make some television tomorrow. 5 a.m. Meeflo's got to go to work. You have to work today, Meef? No, no, no. I've got two days off. I'm in lovely Portland, Oregon. Uh, in a few days, I will be in New York City hanging out with Byron, hopefully. 
Um, maybe yeah. we'll get a chance to do a podcast next week from New York. Um, I think from Kevin Cross taping. Kevin Cross wants to to actually stop by the show sometime next week. Hopefully, we get a hold of him. I'm really, really, really hoping to get a roundtable with Evie Dub, DJ, and Roach on the show at the same time before the end of this season. Working on it. I have no idea if anyone's schedule is going to make that happen, but I know Big Brother's done now, so yeah. I think DJ has some time, but who knows? I think Roach is like writing Fantasy Island um, furiously right now, so I have no oh, idea. Yeah. Congratulations what, to Roach. And him and Julian are writing the new Fantasy Island for Blumhouse, um, so he's got his work cut out there. Uh, and then Evie Dub, well, he's got to deal with the contender finale, and I don't know what else he's working on, but he's got that, and I think he's uh, helping out a little bit with WoW. He is, yeah. In, so, in, in post, I believe. Right. So yeah. I think I think he's got some stuff on his slate, but maybe not too terribly busy like he was during <laughs> contender season. So keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> and and again, DJ might not show up just because of Byron. So who knows? You mess it up, Byron. What can you do? It's weird because I also got like one of DJ's idols to oh, show up and put over his show. And he looked at Justin and said, then he looked at Justin and said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'm fine with this. I'm totally fine with all of that. You're talking about Van Winkle? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it just happens that way. It does look more like the guy who has a white rapper friend. I mean, you're actually even in the season finale of that show, aren't you? I am. So, so it should be obvious that it was you. I think he was just no selling you on purpose, bro. There, there's a fake scene where they kick us out of the garage, and then there's real scenes where uh, other other producers and I are carrying up heavy mirrors up to the second floor because <laughs> we were the ones who went and got them, and everyone else was off of work because <laughs> it was after four p.m. The little little known thing about that. reality TV K is K that K-Fabe, the, the the reality TV thing is that the, the crew sometimes actually makes the stuff on a process show. That's never happened. <laughs> There's actual cars out there from major car builders that you know that I've done Bondo and paint work on <laughs> and electronics. <laughs> you don't want to know that because those cars are supposed to be worth a lot of money. And with Just my work, they're not. <laughs> Watch the time lapses of my Boston show. There's this one demo scene where they're tearing up the floor in a kitchen, and there's legit me sitting on the countertop, like taking a nap while they're doing it. <laughs> Way to work, Byron. All right, guys, hey, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going away for uh, Brandon Bumpcam over there, for Byron yes. Fever, for Meefloaf, and with his foul mouth and falmouth. Can I say that? All right. He's, anyway, he checked out. Me checked thank out. Thank you, Brandon, so much for coming by. Of course, and thanks for having me. By anytime. We should talk New Japan. There's um. We should talk New Japan, but right now we should talk no more. Until next time, stay calm and stay, stay in the mix. Penis. Son of a bitches. <laughs> <laughs>